close and secure all possible entrances to your home. Switch off all lights. Do not look out of any windows. Do not respond to any knocks on your windows or doors until the all clear is given. Remain silent at all times. Like, this dude's too cool for long sentences. He said the key words. He said, streaming live around the world, this is Paper Cuts. We call it a poop bag. With Brad and Jay. Yeah, it's got a new show. It came to you, like, basically straight from my brain. We're not going to have those devil books in here. We are live. Happy New Year. Brad, I totally forgot. How to do this? We've been off what three weeks, four weeks? Uh, yeah, five weeks. Did you do an intro? Did you write it down? No, I, I did. You're not, not going to read it up. Lacking badly this week, by the way. Oh, you're not going to read the script. Shame on you, Jay. No. And it's like the biggest show we've ever done. So <laughs> it is the I mean, biggest show we've ever done. I'm not nervous at all. Just you. <laughs> so. You need a little. You need a little uh, bourbon from Laurel Hightower. Yeah. Get your nerves under control. I said, you still have that tiny little bottle? Still, I'm not going to drink it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna save it. <laughs> And by the way, I don't know if she's been back since then, but she made the intro. Did she? Did you hear yourself? She she Laurel? heard herself. No, I oh. didn't catch it. What did I say? I don't. I don't ever see, like recognize my own voice because it's. Sounds well, we're starting off, start off really well tonight. By the way, it was like, you're gonna show together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go around the room and let's do some introductions because you guys don't really care about me and Brad. So let's talk yeah. about who we have tonight. Let's start with S.H. Cooper. Uh, Inheriting her ghosts. That was possibly, possibly my top book of the year of last year. Oh, thank you. Although Brad didn't like it. I saw his uh, oh, what a, Twitter yeah. announcement. I have the super duper recommend it instead of just normal recommend yeah. <laughs> Uh Back on the show once again, more than Brad, by the way, Laurel Hightower. Hey, Laurel. <laughs> How you doing? Hi, guys. Glad to be back. So Nora Taylor is joining us. Uh, I'd like to someone to share my nightmares. I read that right this past year. You did. I totally forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to have some stand up comedy with Red Lego tonight. Say hello. <laughs> hello. So Is that scheduled for later? Yeah. That, well, that's, that's the after hours Patreon stuff behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. So uh, there you have it. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this little shindig we like to call Paper Cuts that our wives came up with the name for us. They, so. they did, yes. We had wives a big list of them. We had a big list, and the wives both, without knowing what the other one picked, they both said they like paper cuts the best. And, nice. of course, you have to listen to the wife or you get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. We How's have good reason for that. Normally, we ask Laurel where she's, re- uh, where she's uh, drinking, but uh, I think Snora beat us to it. So go ahead and fill us in. By the way, everybody missed like this big like eyebrow talk <laughs> behind I'll, the scenes. I'll say it. No, I'll, I'll, it isn't, I'll, I'll say it now. I don't just for anybody's reference. I don't have eyebrows. They're just suggestions. <laughs> so tonight I tried an eyebrow gel for the first time. And so, yeah, if it looks weird, it's on purpose. Um, it does look weird. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Good. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, had that <laughs> I had that 90s thing where like I drew like the really dark, you know, like, uh, 
I think I saw something in Cosmo that I really screwed up. But anyways, <laughs> I've been afraid to try. Remember something. in like, I think the late 90s and early aughts when like it was basically waxed to within an inch of their lives. Like that yeah. was mm-hmm. the eyebrow look everywhere. The that and the lip liner. <laughs> yeah. And remember totally when they told it, you like... to draw it outside? Like yeah. make your lip, because that's not totally obvious that you just drew extra lips on your yeah. face. <laughs> Like you could totally change your 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 mood each day with just your eyebrows. Angry eyebrows or like like flippy eyebrows. Hey, Laurel's happy today, or oh my gosh, she's pissed off again. But her face is just like deadpan, but her eyebrows look happy instead. Maybe that's why everyone thinks I'm resting bitch face. I don't have eyebrows. There's no clothes. Man, this is like a huge revelation. Just, just get different color sharpies to do it. Ooh, like green. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I'm writer's tears. I don't, I don't, we invited everybody here to talk about writing and books, but I don't know how we got on this. So I think it's Brad. That's because you, you brought it up, Jay. Well, I know, but so it, it was a continuation from behind the okay. scenes there. Brad, you're supposed to be the professional one on the show, so let's do this. It's my show anyway, so I'll take over from here. <laughs> right, right, Laurel? Yeah. Laurel it's didn't really even know nice Jay was part of the show. <laughs> So I'll never live that good, down. Sorry. Everyone have good holidays and everything. Yep. Really good. Did anybody get any books for Christmas? I didn't get any books. No. I, I didn't. No. Oh, I got a cookbook. You got a cookbook? <laughs> I got an Irish pub cookbook. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, I got a um a book by the gothy woman on Great British Bake Off, Helena Garcia. It's called The Wicked Baker. So nice. it'll help me make treats but make them spooky. <laughs> That's perfect. Nice. Jay, did you get any books for Christmas? I did, but I bought them myself, though. There you go. That, that counts. Yeah. You, yeah. you got new bookshelves for Christmas, though. I did. And there may be a video eventually for those because I've been waiting a while for those. But I'm looking around like here. I can see what I'm looking at. I don't know why I'm doing that. I'm looking over here and over here. So I apologize. <laughs> so. <clears throat> so, everyone, brand new year. Everyone's got new projects everyone's working on. I know uh, Sarah SH, she's got. An anthology she's working on, right? Women built by men, is that correct? A woman built by man, yeah. And Laurel is one of the contributing authors oh. in that with a fantastic story. She's actually our opening story nice. for the anthology. Hey. I'm super excited. Um, it explores a lot of different themes about how women are shaped um, in the horror lens by um, men. <laughs> I know and you do the jokes been... on Twitter all the time about how this, author <laughs> writes, how this man author writes this woman and stuff. No, no, no. I, I do how to write men. Okay, that's right. Like, men already know how to write women. We've seen it a hundred thousand times. <laughs> do they, though? As long as they're breastily boobily into the room, <laughs> then you got your woman. And as long as she punches someone, you know she's strong. I, like, I help you write men. Okay. Yeah. So are you uh, are you editing that all by yourself, or you have someone else helping you do that, or...? Um, no, actually, Elle Turpit is my co-editor. She's also my personal editor. She does all my books. Um, and Olivia White, who I believe is in chat, I think I saw her pop up. She um, helped me come up with the idea. She's actually one of the people um, who helped um, come up with it and and massage it out into life. And and um, unfortunately, she had to step down as editor due to some health issues that she had. But she's still a contributing author. She's writing our forward for us. And um, she did a little bit of editing. She helped with the proofreading and uh, final looks for the stories. Yes, there she is. Hi, yes, I exist. Was this breaking oh, yeah. news about Laurel beating the first story? Was that, does she already know about this or was this breaking news? I don't know. Did you know Laurel? 
Yeah, yeah. You, oh, you told me and I did. I did the proof, but it, but it's so. I, I. That's never. I've never had that before. Mine's usually stuffed somewhere in the middle, like kind of hidden. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to be opening an antho this time. Pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's a great story to open on. It really sets the mood. So I'm super excited for people to read that. And yeah, I don't know why I asked if you if you knew it was opening because you literally saw the manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> so is there a, because is there when a you loose... add an antho, it just everything else falls out of your head. So yeah. Is there, a, is there a loose release date for when we can expect that, or is it still kind of um, in progress? Fingers crossed. Next month, we're releasing um, with Cemetery Gates Media. They're our publisher. Nice. Um, so hopefully next month. It'll be out for everyone. ARCs are actually going to be coming out hopefully in the next week. So anyone who wants a review copy, hit me up on Twitter, Miss Pippinacious. How many uh, Twitter stories link down get? in the description too? How, I'm how sorry? Many, how many stories did you get for it? Uh, we have 21 total. 21. We have a mix of invited authors, which includes, like I said, Laurel. We have Gemma Amore, Haley Piper. And then we have quite a number of new authors some who had never published in horror before. So I'm really, really happy um, that we're able to elevate some, some people who had not had that experience and that opportunity in at least indie horror. That's cool. Was there a certain like idea that was like the antithesis of it that sparked it for you or did just kind of something built up over time? Um, the woman built by man was actually a story that I was going to do personally. And then I mm -hmm. kind of joked, I went to Olivia and I said, jokingly, um, you know, that'd be, that'd be kind of a cool anthology idea if we just got a bunch of women, to um, write stories about about how you know we're shaped by men, and she goes, "Yeah, it would be. Let's do that." And I went to <laughs> Elle and I said, "You'll believe what Olivia just said to me." And she goes, "No, no, that's a really good idea. Let's do that." Um, so I said, "Oh, okay." And uh, <laughs> then I went to Laurel and Haley and you know a bunch of these other authors, and I said, um, "You're super cool, and I really like your stuff. Can I have one?" And they very nicely <laughs> said, "Yeah, you can." So then I went to Cemetery Gates and I said, these super cool people want to give me stories. Will you take them? And they said, yes, we will. So that's kind of how it happened. Okay, so well, I mean, the, the odds are Laurel had one already ready to go. I mean, from talking to her in the past, <laughs> she's got like a thousand just sitting around waiting for somebody to take them. <laughs> so. I did get a lot of rejects at the end of last year. Thank you for pointing that out, Jay. <laughs> that's why she has so many, Jay. I know. Getting yeah. rejected. Sorry, I'm so sorry. It's Brad. It's Brad's show, by the way. <laughs> I just keep Jay around for the laughs. Speaking so, of which, Laurel's Laurel's working on one too, right? I have the arc floating around somewhere. But... Dead inside. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. The dead inside. Yeah. Is that, that coming, along? coming out in March now? Is it March? Oh uh, yeah, it should be March first. Um, we're still there's like a formatting issue with like I think Ingram Spark or something. Um, mm -hmm. I'm. Really, I am absolutely no matter what Sandra says, I am the slacker half of the <laughs> editing team there. So she she has been handling that and, and her husband Brian. So yeah, that we should have the updated arc soon. And um, yeah, that's I, I think that's going to be a cool one. Um, uh, Coops has one in there. Um, and now, yeah, it's been like a minute since I've read it. So yeah, <laughs> I know Allie uh, C has one in there because I've read hers, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, because yeah. you guys had her on. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, that works. So what's the um, what's the the quick synopsis on that one? Like, what's the idea behind the dead inside one? For everybody was, who doesn't know. Well, I was giggling, Sarah, when you were like, you know, I said this this idea for Nantho, an and then it just happened, and I'm like, that's the thing. Like, it's like saying Candyman. Like, it'll just show up. You can't. You lose control of the entire situation. You're done. You're doing. Never saying the word anthology again. Then. Yeah. Don't. Don't. <laughs> 
because it'll just come get you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's identity horror. Um, it was just a kind of a thought I had, I guess maybe last summer, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of stuff was going on with like George Floyd and a lot of the, um, Asian hate, uh, and, and that kind of thing. And, and some people were, you know, mentioning things that like, as um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a cis hetero white woman. So I've not come up against a lot of what, you know, some other folks have, and they mentioned things, you know, how much it gets in your personality. And it was just one of the things, you know, I thought we, we all kind of have a lot of that, um, you know, toxic masculinity and, and all that kind of things, like just all these things, the way they affect our identity and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, that was not a very short synopsis, sorry. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a identity horror. We have uh, some poetry in it, some flash fiction, um, some longer pieces and um, just, yeah, it's just something I'm really, really proud of. I was really, we got like over 600 submissions for it. I, I was really blown away by it, so. Did you read everyone or Joe split it out between you all? We, we split out the initial, um, read through and then like, you know, rank stuff for uh, like, okay, this, uh, you know, this kind of thing. Um, we want to take a second look because we think it, you know, it, it might. And I, I don't, I, I like to say this whenever possible, whenever I've got an audience to hear it, just because I think it's so important for authors to hear the, the number one reason we set any story or poem aside was simply because it wasn't quite the right vibe for this book. And that had so much to do with what we maybe already knew we were taking on or like the exact tone we were going for. Um, but, you know, as someone, again, like I, you know, I, I did, I, I get rejections. I, you know, we, we all get rejections and sometimes you feel very much like I'm gonna go eat worms, you know, nobody likes my stuff, but <laughs> it, it really is just so much about like, I mean, and there were some that I was just gnawing my nails. I'm like, I don't want to give it up, but it's not right. <laughs> so, yeah. Are you getting yeah. any sort of ideals from the ones you're re you reject it for future anthologies? No, because I just said I don't say Candyman anymore. Like <laughs> She's not doing it ever again, Jay. <laughs> Come on. I've already actually started another one. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, Sam Richard was on with Raw Reads earlier. They are talking about the Antifa anthology, and he was sort of, like you were saying, getting rejected. Like Maybe some of the stories are about the same kind of similar tone, but you have to pick the best one out of the one. So maybe not necessarily that your story wasn't good, but it was just a lot of similar to this other story that maybe was just a exactly. little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sonora, you're working on an anthology too, right? Diet Riot? Yes. Um, I'm working on that with uh, Nico Bell. Uh, so we're co-editing that one. And for people who don't know, it's an anthology of fat positive horror. Because uh, mm -hmm. we were tired of reading horror stories that feature um, feature a lot of fat phobia, feature like fat characters as inheriting or evil. And um, so we wanted to put out a call that basically rejected that notion. So um, we just closed for submissions. We're currently reviewing stories. So we're in the thick of editing. This is my first anthology that I've uh, edited. And uh, I, I know Nico has edited at least one because she put out that one last year, Shiver, which was the anthology of old horror. Mm -hmm. And um, if she's edited any others, I apologize. Uh, like, um, I'm sure she has. I know she has a lot of experience editing. So, uh, yeah, we're excited to put that one together. We're hoping uh, to release it around June 20th in time for beach season. Nice. nice. <laughs> Who did the cover on that one? I like the cover a lot. That was done by an artist called Vicky B. Wicked. And we actually featured her, uh, V. Castro and I featured her on, on uh, Fright Girl Summer. And I've seen her work on Etsy. I've, I've bought her stuff before. She's prints and stickers uh mm -hmm. so she, she's really great so if you 
I don't know if she's open for commissions right now, but even if she isn't, you should check out her shop. Um, it's uh, like Vicky with an I at the end and then Be Wicked um, on Etsy. Nice. So we so, have anthologies for the first half of the year. We're set to go, yeah. right? So is it just something that's overwhelming to receive all these stories and have to sift through them all and narrow it down and pick the best one there down to what, 10, 20 or so? Yeah, we only had 200 for a woman built by man because we were kind of a narrower scope, um, being only open to female authors and semi-identifying authors. And even only just 200. Through, <laughs> yeah, no, only, we already had 200. Only 200. <laughs> well, like Laurel, for instance, uh, for Dead Inside, had 600. Yeah. So just going through 200 with two people was a lot. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons I look at anthologies and go, so much respect to editors and to folks who want to do this on a regular basis because for me i'm just like oh my god <laughs> and, and like going off what laurel said earlier being on the other side being able to see you know why um an anthology might be rejected um and and for the simple fact that you know it just didn't fit the theme well enough or it was still great but it was a little too close to something that we already had really helped me as a writer too to be like oh so i don't suck all the time <laughs> when you all read the stories you do read do you all read through the whole thing or do you just get like the first paragraph and if it doesn't capture you just kind of add it to the slush pile none of us want to answer I, that, I, nobody wants to answer that. <laughs> i was gonna uh, i, I, I didn't want to say because yeah. the, the people that got rejected are, are listening right now and they're like you need to read the whole thing come on <laughs> I I actually do typically read the whole thing. Um, the only um, reason I wouldn't is if it was just like so clearly like, honestly, you at the beginning, you do kind of get some trunk stories, which I'm not saying that uh, something you've already written can't possibly fit a call. But sometimes I'm like, did you even read the call? Because <laughs> yeah. You know, and but I mean, even those I will commonly I, I even with those, I, I would usually read to the end because I was like, I don't what you know, what if it's a twist, you know, mm -hmm. and then I get in like, no, it's not a twist. You really didn't read the call. OK, well, that's cool. <laughs> you know, But uh, but yeah, otherwise I, I do. I don't know if that's insane or not, though. It might be. Uh, there were a few that I outright did not read all the way through um, mm -hmm. some because we had a few guys who submitted. So those were automatically not going to read. Um, some dealt with topics that um, I just was not interested in including in the anthology. I'm not going to say anything specific because, you know, if someone who wrote one of them is listening, it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean the story was bad. It just wasn't something that I wanted to include for whatever reason, mm -hmm. typically because it had to do with something sensitive or overly graphic or something of that nature that was just pushing it a little too much or just didn't sit right with me. Um, I'll just add that, um, because I'm co-editing, yeah, I, I usually would, I, I likewise will always make sure to try to read to the end, but if there was something I couldn't finish for whatever reason, I'll set it aside for later. And then mm -hmm. especially if like Nico liked the story or, or finished it and said something about it, you know, I'd go back and look at it. So, you know, kind of tap, but you know, like I, I, want to go with first impressions on the first read through and then go back and check other things. But everyone has their, it has their different styles of reading, but um, yeah, like, like um, Sarah and Laurel said, sometimes you just know immediately if it's not going to be a right fit, but I would say like 90 
to 95%, you know, yeah, I'm going to read yeah. through the whole thing. So you want to give it a fair shake. You want to, you want to read through the story and make sure, you know, you're, cause yeah, sometimes it does change your mind halfway through. You're like, Oh, this is great. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. And I'll say I, one thing that, and this is, you know, always a choice of every editor whenever they do an anthology, but I can't recommend uh, opening your subs to poetry enough. Um, and that's that maybe just a personal taste on on my part. I am uh, an extremely literal person. I always have been. I didn't really ever understand poetry very well until I got into horror poetry. And then I was like, oh, yeah. oh this is my jam, you know, and I feel like it's something that is a very excellent. It's a great bridge for people who maybe don't think that they're going to understand or get poetry and to include the submissions. A, it's nice because it, it kind of breaks up the length on it some. Mm -hmm. Um, uh -huh. And, you know, you can include more authors, but also I feel like um, uh, that the, it's just it's a great introduction for some people and some people like I'll read reviews and they'll be like, I don't like poetry. I skipped all the poetry and that's totally fine. But other people yeah. are like, wow, I didn't know I liked poetry, but, you know, I read some great stuff in here. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of opening subs to poetry myself. I love that format of an anthology having both short stories and poetry. I think it was uh, the uh, Scott J. Moses uh anthology what one wouldn't do yeah 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 that's that's the one that was like probably the first time i, I saw that format having the two mixed to, together and it, it really the second helped. one in there's a, a poetry thing yeah it yeah. really helped break it up some and change the pace from time to time so i really like that format of those two together yeah, that's cool that that's a question in chat which side of the editor's desk would you rather be on in the future Chappelle. Yeah, so do you all like being behind the scenes and doing all the editing and picking the stories, or would you rather just submit stuff? I know Laurel's never doing another anthology again, so we know her answer. <laughs> I don't know. There's well, pros and cons to both sides. I was just going to say, I haven't edited an anthology yet, but I plan to. Um, so I'd like to be on the other side. Editing. Do you have any themes that you're, you're thinking about? I'm sorry? Do you have any themes you're thinking about? Um, not yes. Um, I'm not. It's kind of sketchy right now. It's kind of a very <laughs> loose sketch in my head. So, <laughs> but it's gonna take some time. I gotta. Well, I think I, I think everyone else is scaring her with your stories. <laughs> it's like, do I really want to do that? No, I've heard all the or? stories. I'm, I'm I'm nervous, but I I like a challenge. <laughs> I'd be open to doing it again, but I think I would want to partner with somebody, especially someone like Nico, who has more experience than I do, because, you know, like I can, you know, bring something unique to it, having not edited a bunch of anthologies because, you know, reading it from that eye. But I also um, would want someone with more experience, like looking at it and, and making some making a lot of the decisions, you know, equally. So, um, yeah, I'd be open to it, but I don't think I'd ever edit one alone. Uh -huh. Oh, I'd never do one alone. That just no. seems like an extremely daunting task, getting hundreds of stories to read through and trying to narrow them down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Y'all were talking so about Brad, the poetry. Are you looking at, at? Are you? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brad. No, go ahead. You're. I was just curious if if <laughs> somebody just muzzled me. I'm sorry. I like. <laughs> <laughs> I was just curious if you if you were thinking you were going to find a partner. Is that is all of this like too nebulous to talk about at this moment? It is you don't very nebulous to... right now. I have like loose ideas like sketched out on paper. Um, mm. and I, yeah, it, it's all very, it's all, it's all in my head right now, mostly, but it, it's a thing that I want to do. It's a goal I want to work toward, but I'm not, I'm not sure when. 
I think it's something you're really uh, good at. I'm going to shut up, Brad. Hush. You've been in the before, what is it, before I die or before I wake? You've been in those anthologies, haven't you, Red? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in volumes um, one through five. I have I a story that in each of those. There's uh, six of If I there's Die six. Before I Wake. Yeah, that's it. There's six of yeah. those? I have three. Yep. So, Red, <laughs> what have you been working on? You've, you're, work, you're working on a novel now, correct? I I am, yeah. I haven't I haven't written a novel in a while, so so I'm very excited about this one. Um, it's I, I was really worried because it's kind of vampire-y, so I was really worried oh. it would come across as too YA because it is a a, a teenage character. What's wrong with YA? Um, no, nothing's <laughs> wrong with YA, but it's not YA. Um, yeah, it gets very 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 dark. But the beginning is very YA-ish, so so I'd hate for a teenager to pick it up and be reading it and then get to the the very very not for children parts. Is that the book you were talking about where you you wrote a scene that was really disturbing? Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Salem's Lot. So is that the one you said on Twitter the other day you had written a scene or you're working on a scene that's like super graphic and you didn't know if you wanted to write it? Is that from that book? Yeah, that's that book. Nice. Yeah. It, it got pretty dark. It's it's already <laughs> a pretty dark scene, um, a very sensitive scene. Um, so I, I wasn't sure if I should go that far. Um, but I think I need to go that far. Mm-hmm. It, not just for shock value or anything, but just because it... It, it it's a gut punch. It's a gut punch that needs to happen. <laughs> so when can we like expect it? I'm sorry? When can we expect it out? Oh, I don't know. Stop pressuring me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know. I thought I was going to be done with it in June, and that didn't happen. So I, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I, I'm over halfway there with the first draft. Has it been different for you to write that? Because I know recently you've done Lucid Screams and Dismal Dreams, the short story mm-hmm. collections. So has it been different to step into a full-length novel? It is, yeah. So I was, I, I, I've actually written a few novels. Um, I've only published one. The, the other ones I never, never got out the door. <laughs> They're kind of <laughs> practice novels to learn, learn my way. Um, so, but then I started writing a ton of short stories and more short stories, and eventually. I figured I should probably get back and write a book. Because <laughs> we had on Tyler Jones recently, and he said he had like seven novels written that has never seen the light of day before he ever put anything out. Wow. Yeah, I have three yeah, that have nobody's ever seen. And one of them he said was like 800 pages. It was like a rock and roll horror novel that has wrote 800 pages and no one's ever read it. <laughs> Do I read it now? Like the rock and roll horror novel from Tyler Jones? Try, we, yes, please. We were trying to get it get it away from him, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't. But he wouldn't tell us anything <laughs> about it. But yeah, it's. I just. I can't see myself writing. I don't write anything anyway. But writing eight hundred pages and it never seeing the light of day. That just. That seems crazy to me. I mean, I might technically the first novel I wrote uh, was it was cracking two hundred spa- pages in Word, double spaced. Uh, mm-hmm. And I wasn't done, but I was also like 15 when I was writing it. So no one wants <laughs> to read that. It's like a terrible historical novel that I did no research 
and I was just kind of like practicing. <laughs> just making up the facts as you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, totally. Like, I mean, it was just like, it was like the new neighbor thing, but it was set like right after have people like showing up like you would just pack your u-haul and like you know come in and move next door so. <laughs> well, have, any, have any of you all written anything that hasn't seen the light of day that yeah. you maybe didn't think was good enough but you've gone back and maybe cannibalized some of it and turned it into something different oh yeah my my why novel like sonora i um my my why novel is the first draft i wrote when I was 11, I actually have the first two from that trilogy written. I wrote them when I was 11 to 17. They have lived under my bed in a Tupperware since then. <laughs> I'm 34 now. Um, and it wasn't until uh, two or three years ago that I went back and said, you know what? I really like this, the core of the story. So I'm going to write it now as an adult. And I will mm -hmm. never go back and look at what I wrote when I was an 11 year old because it's written like an 11 year old. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so innocent. This it is. It is. And um, so, yeah, no one will ever, ever see that. They'll see the version <laughs> that I published. But the first two books of the original trilogy that I wrote when I was a kid, that's for just me and my mom, who still insist they're the best books ever. <laughs> now, what, what is that one? That's the one with the green cover, right? What's it called again? Uh, the Knight's Daughter. That's right. I've got it on Kindle. I still need mm. to read it. So is that going to be a, a trilogy, you said? Yeah, if I ever get around to writing the next <laughs> two. <laughs> You've got stuff yeah. to, to steal from, so you got to steal from yourself and get them done. <laughs> yeah, well. You're still, you're still on track to beat George R.R. R. Martin, so that's there really the <laughs> As long as I get it out before Winds of Winter, I'm golden. <laughs> I think you're good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you'll have any trouble doing that at all. <laughs> what does everybody prefer? Novels, novellas, short stories? Or does it even matter as long as you're just writing something? novellas have become my happy place because when I start a book, the idea of writing a novel just seems so daunting because mm -hmm. I admit when I go in, I am thinking about word count and I'm like, okay, if I want it to be a novel, I have to get this many um, right. words for it to count. Um, so trying to think like, Oh, I need to hit 80, 90 is a lot more daunting than thinking, Oh, you know, 30, 35, 40. Mm -hmm. So for me, if it if it's a novella, awesome. If it goes a bit longer, cool. But you know, as long as I have a book at the end of the day, I guess that's good. I feel like if you were trying to hit a word count, that would like be a stigma against my writing. Like I wouldn't be able to get where I wanted to go because I'm trying to hit that word count. If that makes sense, right? Like if that's looming over my head, like I'm trying to reach that goal, I feel like it would be hard to do it than just letting the story go naturally. How it's going, or if you go into it thinking novella, it just happens to become a novel. I mean. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I usually try and just let the story dictate itself. I mean, I usually have an idea when I sit down to write if it's going to be a short story versus long. Mm -hmm. But I do sometimes think I'm sitting down to write a novel and it becomes a novella or vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, or sometimes it started as a short story idea and then it became a bigger one. Like Without Condition was originally a short story idea uh, when it was just the main character and her mother. And then when I added in the boyfriend, it became a novel. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even if you start out with a novel and it only becomes a novella, I mean, I think the horror community loves novellas. So, I mean, that's yeah. still a win. Oh, yeah. Still win so. oh, yeah. I think it also, I think horror really works best in short form. I mean, I hear the case made for like when you have a really long novel and you get to know the characters and it's a little scarier. But right. I think it's like, 
I think it really is more impactful when it's a little shorter. I mean, it depends on the story. It's always different, but I think that's why horror in particular benefits from the short story in the novella format. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think most... for me with the word count too, um, when I was querying with the Knight's Daughter, um, it started out shorter than what the final product ended up being. Um, and I heard a lot from, you know, agents and people in professional traditional publishing. That's too short. No one's going to read that. That's, um, you need to have this much. And if you don't have this much, it's garbage. They, you know, they didn't work <laughs> quite like that, but close enough. <laughs> um, and so I think for me, that kind of really got into my head a little bit where it's like, oh, I got to worry about word count because I'm not a real writer. I'm not doing it right if I don't, if I don't do it the way these professionals tell me. But, yeah. you know, since I, I got more comfortable being self-published and an indie and, and growing in that community, it's more like, oh, well, traditional publishing can go suck a rock. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> you can Especially for fantasy, because there are always thousands of pages. Yeah. You can always tell when something was stretched to meet a word count. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying not to be bitchy. I'm just saying it as a reader. Like, you know, it, you can tell when it was. It's like, you know, that quote from um, Fellowship that's getting so popular now where it's like, I'm like butter spread across too big a piece of bread. Too bread. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, too over too much bread, yeah. I think you could probably look at that too as one of the big differences between indie and like a, a mainstream publication because yeah, the mainstream, they're going to try to make you stretch it into the novel area, mm -hmm. but being a, you know, an indie writer, if you're a thousand words short, go with it. Someone's going to love it anyways. You know what I mean? So it's like your creativity is going to be out there amongst everybody instead of worrying about what, you know, like a mainstream publisher is going to say about it. So. And like we said think... before, a, a lot of horror, a lot of the most popular horror movies are 90 minutes. And that's sort of like a novella length, sort of the shorter, you know, right. snappier in your face type stuff. It's over and done with really quick, 100 pages or so. Is that your cat, Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've committed the cardinal sin of closing the door and he's on Where the other I was side. listening, Brad. I just all of a sudden hear, That's okay. <laughs> That's funny because I thought that was my cat outside my door. <laughs> my door is right over it's there. It's terrible. Let him in. Come on. No. <laughs> Go away. Um, yeah, no. He ignore him. He's he doesn't need See, the attention. They all they all need the cats now. Cat came yeah. out. <laughs> I don't know if you hear my husband in the background going, Turbo! <laughs> oh my god. All right. Hold on. He's got to let him in. I'm glad I'm not the only one that has to get up and put the kids to bed. Or <laughs> let the cats in. Yeah. He's not going to want to come about, in now. Yeah, he won't. He'll just stay there and look. Yeah, he's allowed. He's like, screw it. Not, no. he's, not everybody. <laughs> so, Red, what about you? Do you try to hit a certain word count, or you just wherever the story takes you? Is what uh, no, only if it's for a like a call. A specific uh -huh. call, then I'll try to work out. Um, usually, when I have an idea and I start developing it into like a, a, a plot, I, I like Sonora said, I have an idea of if it's going to be short or if it's something that's going to take longer. Um, most of what I come up with can be pretty short. Um, but if there's sometimes, every once in a while, I come up with something that, that, I, that needs more space to breathe. Mm hmm. Kitty. What's a kitty's name? This is Turbo. <laughs> Come here. You made so much noise. Say hi to people. 
Oh, but someone knew. Someone knew it was Turbo. <laughs> I love his ears. Is Turbo he's a, Sphinx? No, he's a Cornish Rex. Oh, which, okay. um, they are crossbred from Sphinx. Gotcha. Yeah, so I was going to say, he looks furry, but, like, kind of, you know, not as furry as a cat. As a non-Sphinx cat. Yeah. Um, Rexes are... Don't drink my water. Are um, <laughs> <laughs> derived from Sphinxes and Siamese and their whole blend of, <laughs> of different... But this isn't about you, so... <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to ask, do any of you all, like I know Red, you're really into astrology and Laurel, you kind of into the ghost hunting stuff and do you all like to incorporate things that you're into in real life, like some of your hobbies into your stories? Because Red, you had a short story like the uh, astronomer's wife or the astronomer's husband. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the astronomer's mistress. Mistress, yeah. that's it. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's, astronomy's always just it's been there for me. Yeah, since a kid, I've always been fascinated by the cosmos i'm always looking up always and so it just kind of bleeds into my stories if there's anything related to space or coming from space um or anything about uh telescopes <laughs> <laughs> um i love to write it um yeah i've got several stories that are kind of astronomy related there's and you have a giant telescope don't you Yes, she does. Well, it's not as big as some of the other guys. But <laughs> it's not the size that matters. the size that matters. Oh, it <laughs> matters. You use it, Red. It matters. It matters. It <laughs> if it so ain't eight, eight inches, I'm not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> talking about aperture. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing uh, cosmic horror or anything? Like something from Beyond it's, the Stars or anything funny. like that. Or? Like I'm not a huge fan of cosmic horror, okay. <laughs> which is is weird. Um, I love astronomy, I love the science of it, uh, but when it comes to cosmic horror, like I, I read some of it and it's okay, but uh -huh. for the most part, I, I'm I don't really seek it out. That actually doesn't surprise me too much because you know astronomy is so like. I mean, not fixed in the sense that, like, you know, you won't wonder what's out there, but, you know, cosmic horror in and of itself is kind of like pre-science or disputing the science of the universe, at least what I read. And so, you know, I could see where that wouldn't necessarily mean a cross-cultural, you know, cross-pollination of interest. So, yeah, that's for what it's worth. Yeah. Are you able to see much of the sky where you live, or do you have to go travel someplace and camp out for three days to catch your stars <laughs> and your planets and uh, your moons? I live in the middle of the cities. I'm in uh, Virginia Beach, which is pretty light yeah. polluted, so I don't, I can't see much from here. But I am part of an astronomy club, and we there are parks around here, like outside the city, that aren't too bad that I go to. Yeah. I just asked because we, we just got my youngest daughter one for Christmas and or Santa just did in case she's listening. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, I'm in the middle of Columbus, so yeah, it's nothing but lights, and we're like, oh shoot, how are we going to do this? And so it's not working out. Yeah. Right, so. uh, well, I mean, you can look at planets and the moon. You don't have to be right. out of the city. You can be right. right smack dab in the middle of the city for the moon and the planets. And since she's opened it, it's yeah, been nothing but cloudy. A, <laughs> I live in a very light polluted area. I'm up in northern Virginia, but you know mm -hmm. when Venus and Mars are close, you can see yeah. them. So. Oh, yeah. 
what about you, uh, Sonora or Sarah? Do you all incorporate your real life hobbies and stuff into your, any of your any of your works? Mine is more like in passing. I'll probably the biggest incorporation that I can think of. Although probably after I log off, I'll think of like all the different ways I incorporated <laughs> them into my stories. But but like I I am a big like craft beer fan. I know we were talking about bourbon before we went live, but I I, I eased in with like recreational uh drinking for lack of a better term not not like alcoholism but like you know like drinking as a as like a of a, a hobby uh with craft beer and um drinking as a hobby <laughs> I don't even know. there's like no good way to say it but anyway yeah i mean that's what i'm trying to convey but, like with that's the, the first thing. step okay yeah <laughs> I actually like used to write for a beer blog. I, I used to write for a beer blog called Stouts and Stilettos before I started writing fiction. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think the blog is live anymore. Otherwise, I'd link to some of my old posts. But um, anyway, long way of saying that's one of the reasons why Kara and Without Condition works at a craft beer uh, brewery because um, I was interested in that. And also because I know North Carolina is like a big epicenter of like the craft beer boom at least it was like in the 2010s when it was really getting going mm -hmm. um i am interested in ghosts but not but like the way i believe in them is not the way i write them necessarily so um yeah. uh yeah i think that's the main way and it's kind of funny because i'll have people say like you know how come you don't have your characters like go to hockey games or do <laughs> x y and z and i'm like i just don't think to give them much of my interests beyond um you know maybe some passing things here and there like like with the beer interest or mm -hmm. liking some of the same music um mm -hmm. yeah i usually just like to go into a completely different person person when i write them what about you sarah i wouldn't say i incorporate hobbies really um my thing is more i don't like um, depressing endings. I don't like particularly sad endings, which is kind of weird, I guess, uh, being a horror author. <laughs> um, so I write horror with happy endings because that's what I like. And um, when I was writing on No Sleep, the subreddit more um, regularly, um, I kind of created a, a spinoff or my stories inspired a spinoff subreddit um, called Wholesome Horror. And... <laughs> So a lot of my stories have, you know, um, strong family units. They deal with um, vengeance a lot, but that ends positively for mm -hmm. the narrator or the innocent parties. Um, and yeah, that's kind of my thing. My shirt actually is parental advisory, wholesome content. <laughs> <laughs> it's horror with the message. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, my I wholesome content. I love you need it. to go copyright the wholesome horror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, would you call it like cozy horror or like? <laughs> um, I've seen it called cozy horror. I've only ever referred to it as wholesome horror because that's kind of the oops, knock my table over. Um, that's kind of the the name that people on Reddit gave it, and I was mm -hmm. like, sure, if that's what you want to call it, um, <laughs> go for it. Um, but I think what some when some people hear wholesome horror, they think it's just going to be like this, this um sappy story this that it's not scary it just deals with um really mundane elements 
but I, you have to, to successfully do wholesome horror. You have to make sure it's still creepy. Uh-huh. Um, so that that's my that's my hobby. That's my thing, I guess, in writing is is trying to balance genuine creepiness and scare factors with happy endings. And that to me, I mean, except for the happy endings, that's kind of one of the draws of gothic horror mm-hmm. and storytelling because it, it has that creep factor without like being in your face, you know, extreme. I mean, I don't mean that mm-hmm. as an indictment of extreme horror, splatter punk or anything similar. It's not personally my cup of tea, but um, like I think I think there's room for all of it in horror. The only thing, you know, I don't like is if it's not extreme, people are like, well, it's not really horror. And right. I'm like, yeah, you know, and that's something I've heard a lot of. Yeah, it's like, you know, that that's that's your prerogative. But, you know, a lot of the earliest horror stories, most people probably wouldn't think are very scary now. Right. So. so Sarah, do you, do you start out with um, going into trying to make it a wholesome horror story and then paint yourself into a corner ever with it being too dark and you're like now i got to change everything around to bring the happy back into it no um i'm what you call a pantser um so i never really i have a general idea of point a and point b but how i get there right it's just sort of like let me write it down and see what happens and sometimes stories that i thought were going to end on a wholesome note didn't and sometimes stories that I thought were going to be kind of dark ended up, you know, on a on a relatively wholesome end. So it's just I just kind of let the story tell itself. Wherever it wants to go, I let it go. So would you and consider inheriting her ghost? Would you consider inheriting her ghost to be wholesome horror? Because I would never would have. Well, I I don't want to say that. I don't want to say one way or the other because then you're asking okay. me to kind of spoil. <laughs> The yeah. end of the book. Which way does it go? What's your interpretation, Brad? Yeah, what's your interpretation? Well, I, I would not have said it was wholesome horror because I felt like it was pretty scary and not graphic stuff, but like intense moments and stuff that for me, I wouldn't categorize with something being wholesome. <laughs> well, see, wholesome horror doesn't mean that it's going to be like this puppies and rainbows throughout the whole thing. Um, yeah. One of one of my uh, stories that I um, did on No Sleep, for instance, is called their sequi and it's technically a wholesome horror because it has a relatively wholesome ending but mm-hmm. in it there's like some graphic animal on animal violence um and there's um references to sexual assault and there's references to um violence against indigenous women in the u.s mm-hmm. so the themes um incorporated and in some of the scenes incorporated are not wholesome at all but the ending is about how um, this indigenous woman um, calls upon an ancient spirit, Ersequi, who is an actual protector of, um, of you know, his believers. Um, I don't think he is in uh, current public conscious, even in indigenous communities. He's a spirit that is no longer invoked. But in this particular story, I did use Ersequi. And so the wholesome aspect came from you know, this woman asking for help and this ancient spirit coming to help her and uh, wreaking havoc and taking vengeance against uh, the white man who was kidnapping, imprisoning, um, and doing terrible things before murdering these women. Um, So wholesome horror is a blend of, you know, that's awful, that's scary, and then an end that kind of makes you sigh with relief and go, oh, you know, that's kind of hopeful, that's kind of happy. (laughs) 
And then I have others that are just downright happy, like Fran and Jock is uh, about teddy bears. <laughs> right, but also fucking terrifying. Okay, like, <laughs> seriously. Like, I, like, I think, is, isn't that the first story in the collection in that one? Uh, I that think one? that's from Twisted Roots. I think Fran yeah. and Jock appeared in that one. And it's, um, it's actually based on my grandfathers, who were Fran and Jock. Those were their nicknames. Um, and this girl gets these teddy bears and... Uh, they have recordings of her grandfather's voices saying, I love you. And one night she goes home to house it for her parents. The teddy bears are there. She wakes up. Um, one of the teddy bears has fallen on the bed beside her. And she opens her eyes, looks at it, and it says, get out. Absolutely nope. the fuck not. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I got to have like this. like evil teddy rock spin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So she's in, in this dark room with these teddy bears and... Her, it's still her grandfather's voices, and the first one says, get out, and then the one that's still up on the shelf says, get out, and nope. they just start screaming nope. um, and threatening, <laughs> and um, as she's running out of the room, I don't know if I should spoil this, but well, no, 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 it's been out. I, I gotta, I you don't have to now. spoil it if you don't okay. have to read it now. It's, well, it's on my list. Well, so it starts off, and people claim that it's very, it's very scary, and then the ending, they're like in tears. So that's wholesome horror to me. So it's more you about you got to bring the scares the and you have to have that ending that kind of gut punches. So it's more about the conclusion being more happy than the actual content of the story itself. Right. Yeah, because a lot of the, I think what makes wholesome horror effective is when you don't know it's going to be wholesome. Right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um which is why I'm hesitant to say whether okay. or not inheriting or ghost for instance is wholesome or not. Like you don't I think it you. is, other people might. I got you now. Yeah. So, so the, where's chal- the, the challenge has been put down. See if I get through it without crying. That's it. Where's where's the uh, the teddy bear story? Where can they find that? Um, it's actually my most popular story on Reddit. Let me pull it up and I'll link it in the chat. But also go buy Twisted Roots because it's really, really, really good. It's an excellent collection. Thank you. <laughs> uh, here we go. Well, I, say we just, I say we just have her read it now to us. Let your daughter read it, Jay. Do the, do the instead of goosebumps, have her read the story. See what she thinks. Yeah, my wife <laughs> told me. Like you guys will see it happen. <laughs> you can live you can stream live, of Jay's live stream it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm not logged in, so I can't put it in the actual chat. But I put it in. I got it. Let me see if it'll let me do it. That just reminds me of how people would put in, like, in the old Teddy Rockspin, you could put in, like, Ozzy Osbourne tapes. Yeah, Yeah, that was great. Yeah. (laughs) Twisted Roots, that's all. That's a a cool title, too. (laughs) Is that your first collection? Because you have another one. Oh, All That's Fair, is that the other one? Uh, The Corpse Garden is the first. Uh, From Twisted Roots is the second. All That's Fair is the third. Nice. Yeah. So what about you, Laurel? What hobbies do you have? Because I talked a lot. Laurel, um, Laurel goes drinking and ghost hunting, right? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. These, the, those are my hobbies. And I think like the, the, the main thing that works its way into um, my work, other than bourbon, because everybody drinks bourbon and, and everything that I write, <laughs> um, is, uh, is probably like some legal stuff. Like not like I, I, in Whispers in the Dark, I, I started writing that well before I finished my paralegal degree well before I ever started working at the law firm that I work at now. 
And then it, you know, got published after I was already there. And one of my attorneys came to me, I'd totally forgotten this line. And he was like, so a little Easter egg in there, huh? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, this line right here. And it says, like, I can't seem to get away from attorney. Let's <laughs> 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 so, see if any if anything works its way in, it's it's probably a, a little bit of that stuff because that's that's what I do all day. But I also really love it because I'm a giant nerd. So <laughs> and you had a you had a new novella just announced below coming out with a yes. perpetual motion machine with yeah. Max Booth, the yeah. third's company. Yeah, yep. what's that about? Um, I haven't like written Tell a back cover. About <laughs> <laughs> I haven't written a back cover blurb or anything. I'm trying to decide what like is a, an appropriate way to classify it without, you know, like, giving stuff away. But it's it's definitely got some Mothman, um, and it's it's definitely got some some other kind of critters. Um, it's more. So would you call it like folk horror, or is it kind of a creature feature? Kind of creature feature, but. Um, yeah, but then it goes some very high towery kind of directions, you know, <laughs> with it. So um, I really actually just set out to write a Mothman story because because I, I thought Mothman was cool. I was like, oh, we're doing this again, are we? Okay, all right then, high tower. But um, <laughs> version of Mothman that's like that statue with the really great axe. No, but damn, no, that's a Sonora story right there. We need that. We need sexy Mothman. I was going to get to that, but after ten o'clock, anyways. <laughs> 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 I had one of my one of my friends who's also a reviewer message me and asked about it. He's like, "Is it is it porno Mothman? It's okay if it's not, but I kind of like if it was." I was like, "Damn it!" No. <laughs> yeah, but hey, it's not missed yet. That's that's all you jump See, jump I right on it. That Mothman prophecies movie though, so maybe I need to read like your Mothman story for better. Um, inspiration. <laughs> it's I I did get a lot of like the details of. of it's, it's definitely not like a rewrite of the Mothman, like actual interaction, you know, like the, the visitation that happened back in the 60s. Um, but I did read John Keel's book, um, you know, with, that all that is based on. I didn't realize he had coined the term men in black. Uh, so there's a lot of like really like nerdy stuff in there. And, and you know, it, it was interesting because the conclusion that he reaches is vastly different from what the movie kind of portrays. So I, I would recommend that as a, you got to set aside the major ego that goes along with that that book that he wrote. Uh my God, there's so much ego. You kind of got to like, can't see the print sometimes, but um, you know, just, just set that aside and, and keep going. And it's, it's cool. I've read Jonathan Franzen before. So. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. You got it handled. <laughs> this isn't the, um, the, the story with my character. Is it? it is. Yes. It is. You die horribly. You die horribly. <laughs> yeah. That's always so funny to me as a horror writer when people are like, Will you kill me? <laughs> Didn't we have that interaction like before we knew each other particularly well? I said something about it. I was like, oh yeah, kill me. And you were like, oh, my bad already did. I think, yeah. Um, if I'm friendly with people, your name has probably appeared in a story somewhere and you're probably dead. <laughs> That's how I show affection. <laughs> I don't think I've been killed in a story yet, and it makes me sad. <laughs> I, I use you. Yeah, there's going to be a spate know. of stories where people named Sonora die. I don't really. <laughs> you know, it's what's, funny. What's I actually now? downloaded an anthology where it was one person and every story was a different way that that person was killed, which I thought was like a really unique That's cool. take on a... I mean, I don't think it was a real person. I think it was like this, the character, but... Yeah, wasn't that also the big thing with the Rue uh, by... Yes. By like oh, a real oh, yeah. 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 
Yeah, because I, mean, I, I think it was I think it was like blatant. The names were just flat out. I yeah, mean, it was, it was really bad. Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. any questionable things about it. It was just the oh yeah were there. So yeah, no, I remember seeing it online. People were like, "I fell where I died." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, if, if any of us write a, a book and with a character named Red, and she's dead, don't you think Red's going to say, "That's me"? And I didn't <laughs> want that to happen. <laughs> Better be me. <laughs> <laughs> With your, it's called Below, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Laura? Yeah. Yeah. And that comes out in March. Is that correct? Yeah. March. Um, yeah. I'm a big pain in the ass. I, um, I am <laughs> helping putting together a, a charity event at the Stanley Hotel um, to kick off StokerCon. Um, mm-hmm. This is definitely one of those moments of like, where are the adults? How is it that we end up doing this shit and no one stops us? <laughs> but they haven't yet. So that's what we're doing. Um, so yeah, if any if anybody is coming to SoccerCon or happens to be the area, May tenth, um, the Stanley, it's going to be super fun. Um, but yeah, uh, my buddy James was like, "You really need a new book out before that." I was like, "That's not a lot of time, man." And so <laughs> I just did, and I'm I yeah, I asked Max, and he was like, "That's a very specific time frame." I was like, "It is, it is indeed." So <laughs> I was going to ask because he just announced it like a couple days ago, and it's already coming out in March. Like mm-hmm. how quick that's yeah. all coming together. Yeah, I don't think I imagine that probably would not have been his his like necessarily choice to do <laughs> it in that fashion. I'm, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a little bit like, but here's a, here's an interesting thing, and I don't know. This is this is fun because it's an it's a female panel, so I'm very interested in in you know hearing what you all say about this. But I had a discussion with a female publisher at one point where she mentioned that the only authors that reached out to her when the the um, pub was closed to submissions. Were, were male authors and it wasn't like a like a oh they're just awful and so audacious it was just it was this thing like they were like hey you know and and I realized too that for a long time the only um folks that had reached out to me for blurbs were male authors and mm-hmm. so again this this is not like a slam like a you know mad in or awful about that it's more I wondered why women don't I, well I mean and, and maybe it's not that women don't I know I didn't you know I I just I don't know. I've, I've never felt like it was like that, that I should be like the type to like reach out and ask for something or, or, you know, even make an offer or, or pitch something. It just, I just felt like, Oh, you know, that's not, nobody wants to hear from me. That's, you know, that's not going to be cool. Um, But, but I don't know, like I think done in certain ways, I I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'm interested to know what y'all think about that. No, I definitely um, see that and agree and have lived it because I feel like as women authors um especially in the horror genre where we're still um i think coming into our own and being recognized as the powerhouses that we are um that that there's still this idea that if we do anything if we stand up for ourselves if we assert ourselves in any way then we're going to be seen as aggressive we're going to be seen as pushy bitchy whatever you want to call it um and i think that's something that uh a lot of us still have to to work through and and decondition ourselves from from thinking and believing. Um, going back to a woman built by man, um, I reached out out of the blue to several publishers in the indie sphere um, and was very nervous to do so because who am I? Uh, I'm just some some tiny little author who's like, hey, pay attention to me, please, and that felt very uncomfortable to be approaching people when I felt like it wasn't my place. It wasn't right. And that's so, that's, that's so silly to feel because it is my place. It is right because I'm an author. I have a product that you Mm -hmm. might be interested in. It turns out that 
even the ones that turned me down were like, yeah, I, I can't take this right now, but it sounds fantastic. I wish I could. So it's like, oh, I, I do have, you know, ideas that other people are interested in. I do have value and worth that other people will recognize if I just put myself in front of them and say, hey, you know, I'm bringing something to the table. Do you want to share? And that's yeah. something that um, I'm, I'm continuing with even now where I'm querying agents out of the blue, just like, hey, I'm not really looking for a particular literary agent right now, but I see that you do film and, and TV um, representation. And I have a number of, of works that you might be interested in, particularly my latest. So mm -hmm. here you go. And I think a big step for me personally is, is overcoming that feeling of, I don't belong. Um, it's not my place. You know, all these barriers that, yeah, society and, you know, all that jazz puts up for us. But I think a lot of it is self-imposed too. Yes. Yeah. Before somebody else goes, I would love to see Inheriting Her Ghosts adapted to the screen, whether it's a miniseries or a movie. Oh, that'd be, that would be. That's the one I'm pushing. I'm like, please, 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 please. please. That would be that would be great on screen. That could be a miniseries. I think I might have said yeah. that could be a miniseries. Yeah. Six, Ooh, six seven episodes again. would be done. Plan again. That's yeah, your next you one. We want to see it. <laughs> what about hey, you, Sonora? Kate Siegel already did one thing for me. Can can we maybe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that, Sonora? Uh, yeah, I mean, so it, it is definitely very daunting. It gets a little easier with each book, and I've definitely, like, asked more people for advanced blurbs with each manuscript than I did the previous because I'm just more comfortable with it and also because I know more people. Um, I think one of the things that makes it a little easier, or at least uh, it was a little easier for me to wrap my head around, is just knowing that you know, for instance, if Stephen King blurbs a book, it's very rare that he just picked up the book on his own and wrote to the publisher right. and said, I want to blurb this. It was the other way around. And so I think what makes it difficult, especially for independent authors, be they self-published or indie, is that, I mean, you know, is that a lot of times you do have to ask yourself as opposed to like, a marketing team. I mean, I know with indie publishers, they'll ask people or they'll use connections but um it is a thing where you have to ask them to blurb it's not them just offering it to you and that's actually so much of like the marketing and accolades part of it and that was something i definitely did because especially with the way a lot of bigger authors talk and you know especially men but but uh, women too it's like you make it seem like it all just came to you like, oh, look at that. My book just happens to be nominated for an award or like, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, I just happened to be like everything is very calculated and pretty, like even when a book is facing outward on the shelf at Barnes and Noble, that was paid mm -hmm. for by the publisher usually. Right. I think that's a really important yeah. thing for people to be aware of too. Yeah, it's like if your attention is drawn to something, there's usually like a calculated move behind that. And so I don't say that as necessarily a finger point, but just so people don't feel embarrassed when they have to like, you know, take that on themselves. Cause people, you know, we are fed the idea of like the guerrilla marketing, you know, plucked out of nowhere and discovered organically. Um, right. I mean, that almost never happens. So that's my long way of saying that 
as long as you're politely asking for a blurb and you don't cuss someone out if they say no <laughs> or don't get back to you, I mean, it's really not going to be that big of a deal. Most people will get back to you. Um, even, and even if it's just as politely saying no, but even then, you know, if I just don't hear from someone, I just assume they're busy and can't do it. But not, you know, most of the people I ask are willing to do it. And it always just makes me very happy. So, um, but I usually, I've incorporated asking for blurbs into my um, arc, the arc portion of marketing. Cause I usually like oh, to get smart. the blurbs ahead of time for marketing. So it was it you i think it was you that put out a tweet saying if you anybody ever wanted a blurb from you you know feel yeah. free to reach out and stuff too so yes yeah because i you know i also remember how you know that feeling of discomfort and so you know yeah i like to let people know regularly because i always appreciated it when other authors did that as well like i know gabino iglesias is always saying like you know i'll help you i'll write your forward i'll, I'll do your blurb other authors mm -hmm. have said that too and so i just want to make sure that like people know that the only way i would turn you down is if i was just too busy so yeah how about you red yeah, I mean, I think they they covered everything. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so I when it comes to just being a woman and asking for things, I don't know. Maybe it's just ingrained in my. Maybe I was brainwashed as a child that <laughs> I shouldn't be asking um, for favors. And I hate asking for favors in in general. I if I can do something myself, I do it myself. <laughs> and and I know it's it's a terrible. <laughs> terrible thing that, uh, that I need to, to break. Um, but it's the same way with, with all this, with the writing, it took a lot for me to ask that first time I asked, it was, it was really hard. Um, but it was, but it ended up working out well. So with, um, lucid screams, that was the first one that I actually sought out, um, help from and, mm -hmm. and people were, were willing to, you know, share and people were willing to say nice things about it um, with dismal dreams i i reached out to several people and everybody that could said yes they they said they'd blurb and that was kind of a, a huge deal um, all i had to do was ask and and so i guess that's my advice to everybody just just everybody that's got something if you, if you have an author that you admire especially if you're you interact with them on social media, just ask. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, Cabino. I'll say, I, I hate to be vague, but I just, I don't want to sound like I'm name dropping, <laughs> but I did contact a, like, very prominent author of, for mm -hmm. something book-related, like a blurb forward, and while they declined, they did write me back, and even that made my day. So, yeah. you know, usually worst case, it's like, you're just going to get a polite decline or nothing. Like, it's very rare someone's going to write back to you and be like, how dare you raise my yeah. And it, You know what? If they do that, fuck them anyway. You don't, you don't, want, to, you don't want them in your corner. Now, this, like, this subject um, kind of is, is an interesting one to me because, you know, Red just said, I, I think it was ingrained in me to be afraid to ask um, and assert ourselves. And I think it's important, especially, you know, as a panel of, of female authors, women authors, um, that people particularly men be aware of the sphere that we are operating in where asserting ourselves can lead to others um, who are insecure or whatever um, actually attacking us, our reputation. Um, that has happened to me, you know, um, fairly recently 
um, someone in the horror sphere. Um, uh, I did assert myself with them. It was nothing major. I had had a couple of uh, scheduled meetings with them for a project that we were working on together. And um, he was late to one. And so I kind of brushed it off. And then he was late to the second one, didn't respond to my attempts to get in touch with him to find out what was going on. And hello, I'm having a, see, this is what I'm talking about. Men just inserting themselves. Um, just do what Red did. Red picked our cat up and just threw it across the room. <laughs> get out of here, cat. Um, but come to find out, uh, and I was very polite because, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be impolite. I'm not going to be rude. But I did. I very firmly told him that you need to respect my time if we're going to be working together. Um, you know, I need to know what's going on. You need to respect my time. Otherwise, this isn't going to work. I waited for him 45 minutes the first time, an hour the second time. Jeez. Um, yeah. It was an online thing. So I was at my house waiting. But still, I was yeah. waiting. Yeah. Um, and come to find out after afterwards, he had gone to people in the horror sphere people that I work with um, and told them that I was rude, that my work was late, that um, I, I was very bitchy um, all because I said he needed to respect my time. Mm -hmm. And this could have really damaged the relationships that I had with these other people, like professional relationships that right. I had with these other people. Um, him telling them that, that, you know, um, I was very difficult. I was arrogant. And especially the thing that got me the most was saying that my work was late because I'm very, um, do not chew on that. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm very strict with myself about deadlines, about making sure that when I'm working with people that I'm giving it my all, that I'm always present. Um, so to have someone going around telling other people that I was unreliable and all these awful things in an attempt to, you know, blemish a reputation that I've worked very hard to cultivate um, and to carve out this small space for myself right. was eye-opening. Like it had happened before on a smaller scale, um, but to have someone do it in a larger scale and to hear it, you know, not from one person, not from two people, but three people saying like, hey, you know, this person's been going around saying this stuff about you. Um, so I think it's very important to remember that just because women are becoming uh, are coming more to the forefront in horror and that we are becoming louder voices and we are becoming more recognized, it's not without pushback. Right. There mm -hmm. are still insecure people behind the scenes um, who do make it difficult to assert ourselves and to claim our places. Um, and, and, you know, that is, it can be very painful. And that does make me still hesitate now um, to to assert myself because I'm like, oh, if I say this, is this person going to turn around and go tell other people that I'm difficult to work with or or damage, you know, their small reputation that I do have? Because that that could be devastating for me as an indie creator trying to network and connect with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's all like eye-opening for me because like say from mine and brad's standpoint i mean we're just fans and we and we just see what's on the surface you know it's so what we see like in the twitter world and instagram world we see love lovey-dovey you know but we don't look any any deeper than that so we don't know what's happening behind the scenes or, or you know like if one of us were writing something oh 
Sonora Taylor wants me to do a blur for her book. You know, I'd freak out, you know, or you know, Red Lego wants me to just say something about it. I would freak out, you know, because we're fans. <laughs> we're in that level of just fans. So just to hear that behind, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, that's kind of eye opening in a way. We're like, okay, maybe it's just not as, you know, lovey dovey as it comes across in the Twitter world or Instagram world, you know? So I think, just, it, I think it can. I mean, I don't know that that necessarily negates that because hmm. I feel like there is a lot of genuine, very, uh, very sincere support. Um, you know, a, a lot of the folks that have given me, you know, like Sonora, where you said you, you posted like, Hey, feel free to approach me for a blurb. Um, I've had some male authors who, who specifically reached out and said, Hey, I hope you touch base with me for a blurb for your next book. And that was huge because you have to understand I would never, I would have just gone blurbless the rest of my life rather than reach out and, and to be given that, you know, that hand up and that assurance, like the, especially like I've gotten more assured the longer I've done this, the, the more people that I've met, the more that I've seen that people are just people, right. Um, you know, the, the easier it's become to do, but, but yeah, I mean, from, from starting out and um, Sarah, I think you made a, a very just important point about, men being aware. And I think this is where the not all men thing vastly falls down. Let's set aside everything else that's wrong with that. What we really, really need is for all men to be at least peripherally aware or willing to listen about the fact that it is just different for us. It just is. It doesn't mean it's Holocaustal. It doesn't mean that every day we're slogging against, you know, a pile of men standing in our way. It's more just that there, it has to be an awareness. Like, just that things are a little bit different for us. Sarah, you kept using the word difficult, you know, that he said you were difficult. That's such a, you know, it kind of mm. makes my face twitch a little bit because it's such a standard <laughs> yeah. thing right. that gets applied mm. to women. Your eyebrows mm. didn't move though. <laughs> <laughs> they stayed the same while the rest of your face twitched. Excellent. Sorry, that's what, that's I, what I, I had, wanted. I, I just I had to say that. Carbon stone. <laughs> so are, you, are you sweating? Because one of them kind of, this is good this is good for me to get out you know i need to check these things before it's good we're getting this out on paper cuts live (laughs) you know when you're talking about um how he said that about you um and all you did was ask him to respect your time Mm -hmm. if i i I wonder if a male author had suggested that to him would he have had the same reaction or would he have just said oh sorry Knowing what I know about this person, it definitely would have been. Oh, of course, no, whatever you, whatever you need. Yeah. Um, And I did send like the message that I sent him. I shared it with a few close friends. Like, was I pushy? Was it rude? Was something wrong with what I said? They were all like, "No, Mm -hmm. you were professional. You were polite. You were just assertive." And, um, like Laurel said, not all men. And I'm a big proponent of of not all men. And I will say that because. I hate generalization. I will never um, use a sweeping brush to say, you know, men are, are terrible. Men are doing this. I know a lot of very supportive, wonderful men who are interested in in honestly promoting, helping, supporting the women in their lives. I'm married to one. Like you guys here have been fantastic support um, and Absolutely. voices for women in indie horror. Um, so I never wanted to come across like, oh, I'm attacking men. Men have it so easy, blah, blah, blah. Um, because I know that's not the case. Everyone has their own struggles. Everyone has their individual experiences, um, and things that they have to go through. But as women, we do have these barriers in place where, um, being assertive is 
seen as bitchy. Um, making sure that our time is respected is seen as difficult. Um, and, and that doesn't happen, I think, to the same degree, to the same level when it's um, a man dealing with another man because they're used to that being allowed. Whereas when women come in and, and say, you know, this is my time, you will respect it or we will not work together. That's like, oh, oh, she's on her period, obviously. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like for however long each of y'all have been in the sort of publishing world, different lengths of time, do y'all feel like it, it that has changed at all, gotten better, gotten worse, stayed the same as far as the acceptance of women authors, especially in horror? Do y'all feel like there's been any change at all, what for better or worse? I think it has gotten a lot better, but more so for uh, white women than mm -hmm. for women of color and, mm -hmm. and so for nice. straight women over queer women. Like, cause I, I still see lists. I have as recently as like a year or two ago, I've seen like, here's some authors to read for women in horror month. And it was like 10, 10 women. And every single one of them was like a cis white woman. So, um, so, you know, I think it's a little better, but it definitely needs to be more all reaching. And it, you know, it's also still, um, like, it's still that idea of like, here's women's horror or like, you know, I, uh -huh. I like women's horror, but as long as it's exactly like men's horror and it's like, you know, it's going to be different the way you write about it. Cause it's going to be different experiences. Like, mm -hmm. I honestly think one of the things that make women's horror so strong is writing about what is scary in a world where basically from birth you're raised to fear for your life, you know, yeah. in a way that men aren't. So, um, you know, I, and I think that's something valuable that people could take from it if they're not just looking for like Stephen King, but written by a woman. So, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> that makes me think of a tweet I saw going around earlier today where it was someone going, can anyone recommend me man horror? Because all I'm uh, getting yeah. are these What's women that books. Real, that was a real treat. I saw yeah, it. Yeah, actually, Max retweeted. Yeah. Like, I think Max was the one who did it. Yeah. Is it? Because I only saw the retweet very briefly, shortly before this, and I was just going, "Women." It was horror. like a, <laughs> I, I want horror movies for men instead of kids and women, or something like that. That's what it says. Yeah. yeah. But but it was uh, serious. It wasn't a joke or anything. It was just, no, no, it was serious. Serious. Like apparently, he doubled down on it, but. I think like Max said something under it, like I'm like, oh yeah, when I'm sitting here watching The Descent, all I can think is this is such chick lit right here, you know. <laughs> the Descent is a terrifying movie. I've never seen. No, it. it's just women. It's just women. It's just women. <laughs> women don't it's scare me. Sorry. It's the claustrophobia sorry. that really bothered me. It's oh god, no that yeah that that was a that was a that's an absolutely terrifying movie. I, I, I was one of my favorites. I will back up real quick and say to you just in sorry in, in praise of of max as well like there and it's not i, I don't want to make it sound like i well i can just choose whoever the hell i want to work and that's not remotely the case um but it's but there is a i feel like i mean so like for example for crossroads i felt weirdly strongly that i wanted that to be with a female-led press and so putting it with sam and and I, I don't know maybe that sounds weird like it's like oh men couldn't do this it wasn't really how i felt it was more this is a very specific message. I want women to help me carry it. Um, it just feels like that kind of story to me. Below doesn't really feel like that, but what it is is just like I, you know, I, I pay attention. 
Um, I pay attention to publishers. Uh, I, I don't have super high standards. Like you drop an F bomb, you're not going <laughs> to bother me. You know, it's, it's not stuff like that, but I do notice like, you know, do, do they turn around and attack one woman in support of another? Um, you know, do, do they, do they do things that are just like, you know, make me feel like that's not somebody that I want carrying my message. And, um, I feel like, you know, um, and Max and I work with the same um, media agent, you know, and, and I just feel like it's, it, it, I don't know, like his, his press has continually appeared to me to be one that, that is very diverse in, in seeking out, you know, diverse voices and, you know, th that kind of thing. And someone that I'm very comfortable with working with and that I very much want to work with. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's one of those things too, with publishers, like something to keep an eye on, you know, if you want to attract female talent, um, you know, and, and you want people like that on your roster, um, uh, I guess pay attention to stuff like that. I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding like rambling and <laughs> weirdly, you know. <laughs> you can ramble. It's all right. So let me let me ask you this. I don't want to ask this like in any kind of offensive way or anything, but you know we have four very popular female writers right here. Do you see or do you want in the future for there not to be separation, not to be? Well, this was a woman writer. This was a man writer. You know what I mean? Do, do you ever see everything blending together where it's not separate, where we don't have women in horror month or, or the the I genders think, are separated? Do you understand what I'm trying actually, to say? I think ideally, like we wouldn't need to have a women in horror month. We wouldn't need to have, you know, any particular month to celebrate anyone. Um, but I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think there is a, we tell different stories that there's just like a, a, a queer person, LGBTQ plus is going to tell a different story than I'd be able to tell because that's their lived experience. Um, so I don't think there's ever going to be a complete mesh, but I think there could be more of a commingling, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, I think uh, to that degree, I don't think I'd ever want identities completely erased when discussing horror stories because it is going to make a difference and also a lot of times when i'm not saying you're saying this jay i'm speaking in the general sense but when we say like we want the blurring and we just want stories unfortunately with the way we're often raised culturally that becomes a homogenization that goes towards like white straight um you know americana like we don't want identifying factors in the text either along with the author so you know I, I i think that keeping the identities is important so that we recognize you know own voices and storytelling so that we see different types of stories told um but i think where i would like to see it be better is just like in the on the consumer aspect of it you know like just you know not thinking not having to deliberately like I mean, I'm trying, let me rephrase it. Like, it would be nice if someone by default would just pick up someone that isn't like a white man or a white woman for that matter. Like, you know, you, you can just, you just find and pick and there you go. Like right. all the different types of voices. Cause I can tell you, it makes for a much richer reading experience. Yes. Mm -hmm. So much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did that answer yeah, you, your question, got, Jay? It did. <laughs> I mean, we, we got pretty deep for a Saturday night. 
But which, you know what, I, re I really do appreciate, you know, like, I, I feel like that's one of the benefits in having like, you know, a panel like this, not only a panel like this, but a panel like this with guys like you, which, you know, I, I do, I appreciate it. I've, I've been looking forward to this panel because I feel like I'm, I'm also just like, you know, people that I, that I really dig. You, you guys are, everyone No, shucks, Laurel. <laughs> it's true. Come Keep on, it coming, me. but stop. Keep it coming. <laughs> <laughs> But I think these are important conversations to have in particular, I think for, um, there's a lot of stumbling blocks for new authors, um, mm. you know, so, some that are just completely invisible. And and there's also just something that, I don't know, that, that not everybody knows that maybe people pay attention to. Um, I don't know, it's just, I, think it's, I think it's all just, I don't know, it's, it's kind of good stuff to keep in mind, but Sonora, especially like you said, just like a retro reading experience, you know, you were talking, uh, we were talking about Encanto earlier, um, Man, like what, you know, just the the kind of things that we get to see on screen now, the the um, stories that are told, the cultures, you know, that it's so it's just so much richer when you get to hear everyone's stories. It really mm -hmm. is. Yeah, and I think intentionally seeking out stories outside of your own worldview um, is really important because it broadens your own understanding of what other people are going through, um, what they're experiencing. And helps you understand, okay, you know, I've never had that happen to me, but that exists. And that's, that's awful. Uh -huh. um, but then it also see, you see the richness of other cultures. You see um, that, you know, for all the differences that we all have, we're all really just looking for love. We all just want to feel accepted. We all just want to have our place and our people. Um, and so I think it's really important just to, just to broaden your horizons and read outside your own experiences and and realize that the little box you live in is just that it's a little box and the world is so big and so beautiful and filled with so many different people who are experiencing different things and bringing different things to the table um and just being in the horror community and and uh being able to speak to other people and get recommendations for books that i would never have the opportunity to find um you know just trying to find it in a bookstore on my own uh -huh. has been one of the best parts about Twitter, I think, just <laughs> connecting with, with the smaller indie community and being like, oh, I like your book and I like yours. I'm going to put you <laughs> on my shelf and you on my shelf. Yeah, and like it's just half, like... Half of the books I read last year I would not have seen in my bookstore or in my library. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Same. That's what drew me um, back into reading was the community, the horror community, uh, especially the indie horror community. Uh, when I... When I started reading again, read, when I started reading again, um, I've always read. <laughs> when I started reading fiction again year, a few years back, several years back, um, I went to Barnes and Noble. I, I went to the library. I just tried to find something, and so I picked stuff off the shelves, and and it was all. I mean, I didn't realize it, it was all white men <laughs> authors, um, and they were okay. Like some of the stories I liked, um, most of them were just kind of meh. And, uh, mm. and then it wasn't until I got into the horror community on Twitter, I started getting recommendations from people and I started reading um, from the indie community and I loved it. I found, I found my stories, I found my jam and it was from all different voices, um, which kind of blew me away, which I, I didn't think of at the time until, you know, we started, I started learning more about, about, um, well, I guess the, the importance of, of having more diversity um, mm -hmm. on the shelves because it's certainly not mm -hmm. any bookstores that I go to. Um, I mean, I, 
there's like maybe one or two authors of color um, that I can think of that I see on Barnes and Noble shelves. <laughs> there's not, there's not much. Um, yeah. So I'm very thankful for this community for broadening my reading experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how willing want... people are to promote those those other voices and and people who are outside of their you know initial sphere, and they're like, oh, I read this great um, book by a black author. Oh, I read this great book um, mm -hmm. by a Latinx author, and it's really great because you know it really does help a sense of community. Just being like, there is no other in horror and i think that's one of the the really great things well we're i think that the ideal is there is no other and that's what we'd like it to be because i think in a way we're all kind of the weird kid we're all the outcast um we have all kind of maybe had a little trouble fitting in maybe i'm just you know pushing my own bias here <laughs> um i was but... the most popular girl in my school Special no, <laughs> <laughs> but... time here yeah yeah just horror i think cheerleader <laughs> Homecoming queen, yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad Red said that because outside of the indie, it's small press horror community that's on Twitter that you know we see and on Instagram that we interact with, the Barnes Noble crowd is just outside that, and they're mm -hmm. the ones that are. You know, that's a whole different world that I one day journeyed over to one time and I got scared because I was like, this is weird. Like you're talking <laughs> about all these, you know, mainstream artists, writers that you'll find in these brick and mortar stores. I have not stepped foot in one store in the last three years, most likely for books. Uh -huh. You know, it's all coming from the indie world that, you know, I'm making these connections <laughs> Unfortunately, we have to go through Amazon sometimes to get them, you know, but yeah, the whole Barnes and Noble family and those books, they're like 20 times as big as the little niche that we're in, in the corner of that dark, damp Twitter part that nobody wants to talk about, you know, so. Is it damp here? That's awesome. <laughs> it's noise. He's just sweating over there. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel well, like Barnes just, and Noble. Just, just looking at the eyebrows, I thought it was. <laughs> Not that I'm, you know, trying to represent Barnes and Noble, but I feel like they do have gotten a little bit better because you see a lot of pictures like, oh, I see Eric LaRocca's book in Barnes and Noble, and yeah. you find Stephen Graham Jones and uh, Sylvia, or I can we'll always get her name mixed up, Sylvia Marino Garcia. They're getting a little bit better than what they used to be. Not that it's perfect yeah. by any means, mm -hmm. but it, you feel it bleeding in a little bit. And I know, uh, like Todd Kiesling has said. Um, you can contact your local Barnes and Noble, and as an indie or oh, small press author, try to get your books on the shelf there. I think Joshua Marcel has gotten his stuff in there, maybe like that too. So they're getting a little bit better than they used to be. Than just, you know, the horror section is not all Stephen King and Dean Koontz anymore. Right. As and I think a lot be. of that also, like, does the, come from yeah. the indie grassroots movement, like the Twitter community, just people being yeah. like, "Hey, just because it's on the shelves at Barnes and Noble doesn't mean it's the be all end all." Uh -huh. I mean, there's more to horror than Stephen King and Dean Koontz. Yeah. There's, there's a whole wide array. Um, yeah. And I do think that there is, like you said, they're doing better, but there's still pushback against the dirty indies oh, yeah. Yeah. coming in and putting their dirty little fingers all over the clean traditional. Just think of it, just think of it moved into like libraries. That'd be <laughs> mind boggling. My, li too. my yeah. library has Whispers in the Dark. Nice. Does it? Yeah. Yep. One thing I will add is that a lot of that is also kind of on the back end distribution channels and, and some of the bookstores having their hands tied to that. But um, there are ways where you can like, 
like for instance, one of my local bookstores, One More Page Books, they'll when you search their search engines, if they can get things from like an expanded distribution, you can order it like through their website and they'll have you come pick it up in the store. So it's kind of fine indie books that are available through those channels, even if it can't just be like ordered and mass to be in the bookstore so that's kind of like a best of both worlds if you're not like i know also if you use ingram spark that's supposed to be an easier way to be able to be purchased by bookstores as opposed to uh like for obvious reasons a lot of bookstores won't buy if you're only on amazon because it's their competitor uh whereas ingram spark you know gives you a distribution channel to actually be in the bookstores. I'm not sure if draft to digital will be at that point, but I know that if you put their e your eBooks up there, you can get it in places like BNN. And mm -hmm. what's very good for me is uh, Overdrive. Cause I, I, you know, I used to, that was always like my biggest roadblock is trying to get like libraries to purchase the books. And I'd get like all kinds of, I even had an honest answer from my local library that was like, look, we could, we wish we could, but we can't buy it from, your, from that expansion distribution channel. But, mm -hmm. and it's on overdrive through draft to digital, they can buy it through there because that's a library ebook system. So just something to think about on that back end if you're an author and trying to get your book in stores, it's not only the bookstores being difficult it's also like their hands are tied to some of the business practices and like the corporate world of publishing mm -hmm. and there's no better way if you're wanting to have these fictional experiences of other people you know you, what better way than to step into someone else's shoes who's actually maybe have those experiences themselves and are writing it themselves like i'll never experience what it's like to be a woman so if I want to do that, what better way than to read stuff from women authors? <laughs> well, yeah, and and it's I mean just even being made, and, and I'm you know I I am again I'm I'm a white chick in Kentucky, so there there were actually a lot of these things that I wasn't even aware of, <laughs> um, like you know V Castro and um, Angel Louis Cullen are the main reasons I know you know, about what an issue it is to the, the, the roadblocks, um, with, with, uh, people of color trying to get published in traditional publishing and constantly hearing, um, I don't connect with your character. My readers won't connect with your character. And there's uh -huh. just something that never occurred to me. And, you know, when I read that, there was a big thread, um, that Angel had. And, and I think, uh, V was, you know, posting on, and I think Sina Apaleo as well. And I was just like, you know, just jaw dropping, like, but it made total sense. It just like opened my eyes. I was like, shit, you're kidding me, but no, I mean, I'm, okay, this is bullshit, you know? And and to me, that makes it even more important to demonstrate that, hey, actually, no, readers have an appetite for this. Readers will connect. Readers want this stuff. So it's important to pre-order. You know, it's an, it's important to review. It's important to continue to, to send the message. Actually, no, we're going to connect. We want these stories, you know? Mm -hmm. I just, so so I, I appreciate the folks who are willing to be vocal about those kinds of struggles, you know, it's not their it's not their job to educate me, but I appreciate um, when you know when they put things out there that that help me realize shit that's going on. On that note, make sure y'all pre-order uh, V Castro's new short story collection, Mestiza Blood. Yeah. <laughs> she yep. did not tell me to say that. I just was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. It's in the mail. And <laughs> <I'm> so. <laughs> and it would be boring if all you know, the characters and all the books were all the same. Like if you want to have exciting stuff, you're going to want to seek out diversity or right. everything's going to be stale and dull and dry. It's, 
same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. 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 I've seen, um, you know, kind of, kind of some brand new, I think, uh, male authors very unfortunately get themselves tied in a bit of a knot because I think that they see that and might make an assumption that the point is like, no, now we're never going to write it, you know, read anything by white guys. That's it. The day of, you know, the white guys were throwing <laughs> all the books out. Like that's, that's really just clearly, you know, it's not, it's not the case and yeah. not Stephen attempting. Stephen King's not going to quit selling books. No, his, yeah. he'll be fine. He'll be yeah. fine. You know, and, and I, I know we can all name, you know, plenty of really excellent books written, you know, written by white guys. So it's, I don't know. I, I don't know why I feel the need to, yeah. to backpedal that, but that even with the impact that more voices are coming in every day, I'm in a horror book group on Facebook and I kid you not, no exaggeration every day. Someone posts like, every day. It's, it's always like, I want to read this Stephen King or what do you recommend by Stephen King or what's the best Stephen King and nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying to emphasize that like, there is no, like, there's no, um, What's the word I'm looking for? There's uh, boycott. Completely escaping. Not default. Like anyway, it, it, like obsolete. There's no obsolescence of the of yeah. white male authors or their stories. Like it, it, it is alive and well. So there's it, it's just about. I think it. I think the phrase is like it's not about like taking away seats at the table. It's making a bigger table. Like that's right. all. Exactly. Yes. So. Yeah. No one is saying nobody wants to hear from Stephen King anymore. Stephen King is a great author in a lot of ways, but Stephen King can't tell you every story that's out there. Right. And, yeah. exactly. you know, and you know, he's a bit one note on some things. Um, but yeah, no one is saying that <laughs> we're never going to read white men, white men, get out of here. Nobody wants to hear from you. No, I have no issues with, with white men writing. I love books by white men, but I, I, you know, I love pizza, but I don't want to eat pizza every, well, that may be. <laughs> maybe another another example. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, no, we just want more variety. We want more options. We want, we want the world to be represented because the world is not just, I'm sorry, it's not just straight white dudes. Mm -hmm. There's a whole world what... out there and I want to be able to experience it. And one of the best ways to do that, like you said, is by reading their stories, letting us tell them their stories. Mm -hmm. I love what you said, Sonora. We're not taking seats away. We just need a bigger table. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Michelle Lane, um, I read Invisible Chains a couple of years ago. Oh, I really want to read that so bad. It's really good. It, it is really good. It's a great, like, paranormal. It's It's got everything. Um, and But again, one of the lines in it that just really just about stabbed me through the heart, the, the main character is a, is a woman of color, and she's, you know, her half, she is, she's a slave and her half sister, like, is, you know, the um, overseer's daughter, the slave owner's daughter. And so they're sisters, but, you know, you know, this, the white sister's awful and she's, they're playing and, you know, she always gets to be the princess and, and the black girl doesn't. And, you know, when she complains, she says, when have you ever seen a black princess? And she goes, oh, well, I guess I never have. And I was just like, oh, 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 you know, because it's just like, oh, fuck, that is. You know, and if that's the message that we're sending, if if children of color and and you know of of every other representation can't look up and see themselves, how limiting is that? How you know what kind of a message does that send? Um, I don't know. It's just it, it just it feels very important. It feels very important. It's like the 
the tweet may come out yesterday or day before about the little boy who was watching was it Encanto and he yes. thought that was him on the TV, the little character. That was so sweet. <laughs> that was very cute. When my... Did I miss that? Did I miss that tweet too? I just know my youngest cried in that movie. Like, I haven't seen I, it yet. I, I was at work. It looks good. I was at work, and I got when I came home, my wife's like, "We watched the new Disney movie because <laughs> they were on a uh, uh, winter Disney break, Plus. whatever." And, and she was like, "I looked over at Piper, and she had tears in her eyes." I said, "Why are you crying?" Oh. And she's like, "Because it's so sad." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, well, she's eight, so." <laughs> Red, you started, I think, started to say something about your, your uh, daughter. So when my daughter um, came out as gay, um, it was a huge eye-opener. All the movies we'd watch with her. We'd watch movies. All straight relationships. Everyone. Yeah. And it was suddenly like, not that I'd never thought about it before, but I, I never really, I never really realized the impact that would have on someone who wasn't straight watching every movie that they're watching is the characters are straight every book they're reading the characters are straight and so yeah we need we need more more representation um of characters in stories and and you even get more authentic stories when they're told by um own voices right mm -hmm. absolutely now your daughter, she has a little book out too, doesn't she? <laughs> she does, yeah. yeah she's what's a it, what's she it called? A, um, it's called Wings. Yeah. It's a uh, it's kind of a fantasy, contemporary fantasy, um, where everybody in the world has these huge butterfly wings. Hmm. And they're all black and white versions of wings, and then children start going missing. And um and and it's it's about how um, these children with different sexual orientations, um, their wings are different. And the mm. government is stealing them up because they don't want people to know that there's different people out there. There's people with colorful wings. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's her story. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's a short one. I read it in here. As you being an author, did she sure. come to you for help for that? Or did she sort of write it in secret and then say, hey, mom, look what I did? <laughs> there it is. It's a, it's a, not even, it's a novelette. It's a, it's a short story <laughs> in book form. Um, she did it for a school project. Um, it was a personal project. She was allowed to do anything she wanted and she mm -hmm. decided to write a book. Um, she came to me for a little bit, but she, for the most part, she wrote it on her own. Um, she had another person edit it, a person from our, one of my writing communities she sent the emails she reached out to them and yeah she most of it was all on her own that's right really i did cool. read it and offer like proofreading type stuff but that was her what did that feel like for you as an author to have your daughter sort of follow in your footsteps in a way and write it was, thing like that it was really cool because she was she wasn't <laughs> sure if she wanted to do that or learn the trumpet so <laughs> <laughs> So I'm sitting there like, like, yeah. like yeah. is she going to be in her room <laughs> writing a book or in her room? <laughs> no, wait, trumpet. Definitely trumpet. Well, we've all been there, haven't we? <laughs> if there's noise involved, so you definitely want the quiet I was hoping for <laughs> writing a book, but I didn't want to push her in any one direction. <laughs> so sort of going along that, do you all let your family member, like do your kids read your all stuff or do your 
significant others read your stuff or you kind of keep it to yourself and not let anybody else see it? My husband's not read a single word I've written. (laughs) (laughs) But he knows every story that I've told because he's my first, he's actually your first line of defense. He's like, (laughs) hey, I have this idea. (laughs) And then I'll tell it to him. Um, But my parents read everything I write. My sister Mm -hmm. reads everything I write. Um, Turbo, do you read everything I write? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the same boat as Sarah. Uh, My husband hasn't, he's read a couple of my stories, but he doesn't by default, you know, read my books and I'm completely okay with it. I'm not there like, why haven't you read my stuff? You know, because I know, I know, you know, it can be awkward, like, especially if you knew someone before they started writing and what if you read you don't like it you don't want to tell them you know that so it's like even it's the same thing i have a couple friends that that buy and read my books but uh, i mean uh, well friends i should say friends i knew before i was writing and that makes me think i'm not friends with any of y'all but i mean like like friends i i knew before i was an author and only a couple of them um read and my parents read all my stuff though and all of it including the last collection i we told my dad to not read it because <laughs> but um, <laughs> my mother read it uh, and for anyone who doesn't know my last collection was uh, was uh sexy and erotic horrors and my <laughs> mother read it. <laughs> was that was that weird at all for your mom to read it or did it not uh, bother I- you? I mean, I kind of knew she was going to read it. I mean, it probably bothered me more if I were younger, but, you know, it's it's one of those. It's like, we're, we're both adults, and honestly, like, I knew that nothing could be more awkward than, so that show Girls goes on, um, you know, Allison Williams, there's a scene in, the, in one of the season premieres where she's getting her ass eaten out, like, visibly on screen, and her father was in the audience for the premiere. <laughs> So oh, I think nothing can be more embarrassing than that. <laughs> like, like my mom reading a story about a woman having sex with the Krampus is not as embarrassing as that. So I could deal with that. <laughs> yeah, I think so, at this stage, she, she probably knows you know a thing or two about sex. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I've been married for years. Mom knows I'm not spring chicken. Like, you know, it just like, and, and, um, yeah, and it also helps. I mean, mom reads romance, and she's written and like not maybe maybe not as smutty as what I've written, but she's <laughs> written romance and stuff. So it's not oh, like she has. Yeah, so it's oh, not cool. like it's not like you know this is her like she went from chicken soup for the soul to reading my books. You know, <laughs> like, I don't say that as any offense for fans of chicken soup for the soul. Just it's not what I write. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you red who reads your stuff first um well my mom my mom reads every story well unless i'm like on a short timeline and i don't mm-hmm. have time to send it to her but she reads every story she's a huge huge horror fan um she's the one that goes out and pre-orders stephen king she makes sure she has it the first day and she reads it the first day <laughs> every yeah. time um so she reads everything and gives me her feedback when i first started writing uh my husband read all my stories and i i wanted completely honest feedback from him and he gave me completely <laughs> honest feedback 
Like and that. you're still married. He's <laughs> <laughs> getting so mad at him. I'm like, no, but this. And he'd be like, yeah, but this. I'm like, you you don't get it. <laughs> so, so eventually, I stopped asking him. Um, not necessarily because he gave me his honest feedback, but yeah. because because it's a lot. I write a lot of short stories, and it takes a lot of time to read a book. And so that's he's working. He's got things to do. Like that, for me to give him my book to read is like me giving him some of my work to do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, well, so I don't ask him anymore. Every once in a while, I'll have him read like a flash piece. But but now your daughter's a writer, so maybe she can yeah. read some stuff, and you have yeah. other writers' uh, view that. of it, right? It'll have to be when she's not in school, like yeah. over the summer. She is jam packed. <laughs> maybe you and her can do an anthology together. Oh, that'd Ooh. be fun. There you go. There you that'd go. Be fun. Yeah. About you, Laurel? Who reads your stuff? Uh, my husband read, one time read one of my acknowledgments that is <laughs> <laughs> quite literally as far as he's gone into my stuff. Um, yeah, I have, I have, uh, you know, some, some writer friends that we usually do like my, do some beta stuff for me. Um, and uh, my sister always reads my work. Like, you know, it's typically after the fact, Um so yeah, it's and and then yeah, I, I have friends in real life, and interestingly, the mayor of Lexington, Kentucky, <laughs> has uh, read my books. I went to, I went to church with her. She's she's very very nice. Um, she remembered me from being a kid at church, and uh, so like she, you know, I work for this like kind of high level law firm, and so when they were campaigning, she came around and and you know gave me a big hug, and I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. And then you know she became mayor, and then I saw her at an event. She's like, I've read all your books. I was like, I feel like I should apologize. <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't make the that. mayor die in a book no i've you know i wouldn't kill off this marriage is great <laughs> now you need so. the mayor of lexington kentucky is a blurb on your book the mayor like yeah <laughs> oh do you know what i should i should just be like hey remember church <laughs> how, many other people, how many other people have the mayor blurb in their stuff you know i actually really like that idea especially center, below center is, some is whiskey probably, with it and there you go yeah, yeah. We're good to go the little bottle. Yeah. I'll give her the really weird. She'll get the bigger one. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're going to get the mayor the bigger bottle. Absolutely. <laughs> so what is the most awkward feedback you guys have gotten? Most awkward feedback? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can think of like funny feedback. <laughs> uh, yeah, funny, awkward. What, what's like the most memorable feedback you've gotten, I guess? Oh, um, oh, oh, I've I've gotten a ton from Evelyn. Like I used to sometimes tweet out her greatest hits. Like you know, I had, I had uh, honestly, and I wrote about this in the my nightmares. Almost every single piece I've written that has a sex scene in it, she's like, "You need a or you need a longer one." Um, I've had you need to increase the body count. Um. Yes. I've had, oh, what was the one she said? Oh, I wish I could remember because it was really funny. It was like, I don't know how quickly like millipedes scurry. Like, as I think she was saying that, like I was making an analogy, 
like uh, for for the way a vine was creeping back and i think i compared it to like a millipede or a bug or something and she's like <laughs> i don't know how fast they act <laughs> <laughs> I could have said you did research on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she will also point. She will also point out to me when stuff is featured on TVTropes.com. Like in one of my first short stories, um, it's called uh, what? Of course, I'm forgetting all the names of my old stories now. Oh, we. <laughs> And wither and other stories. I I described the man initially as coming in and having jade eyes, and she's like, "Uh oh, jade eyes," and linked to the TV tropes. And it's about how like <laughs> jade is an eye color. A doesn't really exist, but then that also goes into that like green eyes are often used as a substitute for someone's personality, and so you have to be fiction, careful fiction, about fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she has pointed out when something would work better in fan fiction as opposed to like in story. So get yourself an editor like Evelyn who's not afraid to like, you know, write write stuff like that or look up things like how fast a millipede will run. Like she I think she even told me that she was looking up videos and just got too disgusted watching the bus. <laughs> well, what about you, Sarah, since you asked it? What about me? What's the most yeah. memorable? I think my favorite feedback, live two. The first is my parents when they just text me, Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that's a good one. That, that, I know that story's going to be good then. Um, and my second is actually a review on the Corpse Garden. And it's a negative oh, review, <laughs> which I'm totally fine with. And I love this. Because it makes me laugh every time I see it. The, the title of the review is just, Someone Needs to Prune This Garden. <laughs> and I love it. It cracks me up every time. When I'm having a bad day and I'm just down on myself, I just think, Someone Needs to Prune This Garden. And it cheers me up. That actually... It was when Sarah Tantlinger's um, To Be Devoured was out, which I love that novella. And someone oh, nice. like critiqued it saying, like, much gore and lesbian sex or yeah, something like that. <laughs> 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 There's one that uh, Shane Hawk shared where his grandmother blurbed Anoka and it says, please find another hobby. This is yeah. too horrible for words. <laughs> and he, I think he's got that printed on the book itself. It's, it's in the book. I yeah, I read, book. I read Anoka and it's in the book. <laughs> That's hysterical. Oh my god. The negative blurb from the grandmother's great. Yeah. What about you, Red and Laurel? What are your most memorable feedbacks? Go for it, Red. Um, I so I guess the one that stuck with me was all the things I shouldn't have done in a story. Um <laughs> that came from uh it was a critique partner that told me about it after the story had already been published and you read it. Oh, I'm like, oh, well, this is good. Helpful. This doesn't do me any good now. <laughs> like, where were you when, where were you when I was talking? He was late to the meeting, Rick. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I read that story. I'm like, okay, here are all the things that you shouldn't do. <laughs> Thanks for telling me now that it's out. Useful. <laughs> I had um, 
my buddy James Sabata does some of my beta reading. He's really, really excellent at it. And he's funny because he will take note of like everything. So he had my favorite comment was one he had on there where had some character like going off on her brother, like cussing him out. And I think she called him a fucking asshole, fuck ass or something. And he said, too much ass here. Consider another fuck instead. <laughs> James is wrong. First of all, <laughs> never too much ass. <laughs> and my sister, um, and this is funny because we all like, we're all three of us, my brother and sister and I, well, we're the, we're the type of people that like, if someone was like, sent us a paper, like in college and was like, you take a look at this. We'd be like, sure slash 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 you know and it's like and they'll be like oh i i didn't know you were actually like, oh i didn't know why you would send it to me unless you want me to actually give you an opinion so she <laughs> um she wrote crossroads and she uh she critiqued my dedication <laughs> <laughs> well, what was her critique of your dedication well it's a, so um it wasn't dedicated know, to her there's a problem well no she should know could should know probably that <laughs> I, I have I have solved all of I've solved that problem. Every single book I ever write is going to be dedicated to my son. And the dedication's the same. It says to Sebastian because everything I have belongs to you. Um, and I guess she thought the wording was weird, and uh, she she thought that it was in specific reference to the subject matter of Crossroads. She's like, I don't know. I think I'm like actually. I just I'm gonna stop you right there. I appreciate your insight. I'm not <laughs> actually going to edit the uh, the dedication, but I appreciate. <laughs> Came back all lined and scratched up in red. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because only a member of my family would do that. They'd be like, eh, I don't know. Just, just gotta, we gotta take a look at this. She crossed up Sebastian, put her name on there. <laughs> like, this isn't even page one, Laurel. We've already messed up here. <laughs> <laughs> I am, though. I feel, like I, need, I feel like I need to do a secondary dedication to Bo Johnson at some point, though. We all do, honestly. I don't know if you guys watch Bo's. Uh, Bo's book nook and all that stuff whenever yeah, he yeah. does one of his readings. Yeah. He always says, dedicated to Bo. Thanks so much. He cracks <laughs> me up. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's a good dude. You want, Very good writer you want a, too. You want a book from him, didn't you? From his from the book nook, or they bought you a book yes. or something? Yes. Yep. 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 Yeah. I won I won one of those. And yeah. And I've read uh, a couple of his books. They're he's just he's very, very talented. Very talented. Very brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just yeah, reviewed one. The, the last one is reviewed it. Recently. Brand new dark. Yeah. Yeah. So he's more he's more crime. Do you all read anything else besides horror? Do you like venture into more fantasy crime? You know, cozy mystery, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah I do I, fantasy and um, and historical fiction every mm -hmm. now and again, mm -hmm. particularly East Asian because I'm interested in the history of uh, that area. Hmm. I like to read uh, nonfiction about uh, food history or like mm. about like very specific things. Like I've read a book about that. It's called Twinkie Deconstructed. And it's like it goes through the history of processed food by dedicating mm -hmm. a chapter to each ingredient of the Twinkie. And so it's because it, most ingredients in the Twinkie you can find in like every type of packaged food. Um, yeah. I read a book about cheddar cheese. Um, I read a book <laughs> about like a vineyard that had its vines poisoned in France. So I just, and then I also just love a uh, general fiction for lack of a better term. You know, like I like I, right now I'm reading Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead. Um, I want to read that. Yeah, he's one of my favorite authors. Uh, so yeah, I, I find like. I like reading horror. I can't read nothing but horror, um, you know, because I, I need to mix it up a little bit. And I also think that makes my writing better by reading more than one genre. Yeah. Agreed. 
his uh, Nickel Boys yes. was amazing. So was the Underground Railroad. I like that one, but Nickel Boys, it yeah. made me cry at the end. It was good. I think I do. Um, I do mostly horror. I, I do. I love crime, though. I love crime fiction and mysteries. Um, and I also am. I was an anthropology major for a good chunk of my college education, and so I'm a, I'm a sucker for anthropology books. So I read a lot of um, osteology and anthropology and um, archaeology kind of stuff. What about yeah, you, Red? I'm Red. mostly horror. Mostly horror. <laughs> um, thriller. Um, that's about it. Other than nonfiction, I do a lot of a lot of astronomy stuff. A lot of science. I love books on science and astronomy. Um, I like. There was this uh, book by Mary Roach called uh, "Packing for Mars." That was a lot of fun, and um, she does some other ones too. I think she has one on um, like decomposing bodies. I haven't read that Stiff. yet. That's good. Stiff? Okay, yeah. Yeah, Steph is good. <laughs> Space, space erotica. Space <laughs> Jay makes a joke about space erotica. Is, is that, a, is that a, this me? I think that is. Um, <laughs> has anyone tried to write outside of horror? Yeah. Okay. She's got the fantasy uh, YA. Yeah, I do. I have my YA fantasy. Um, and I also like to do, I like to mix horror with other genres. So I'm currently writing a horror fantasy. And my podcast, Calling Darkness, is a um, horror comedy. So I like to, to do blends. My first book was contemporary fiction. Okay. Oh, well, I shouldn't say first book, my first novel, full length novel. I'm writing kind of a thriller romance. Um, it's like, it, it's an odd thing. It's like when I feel like sometimes when you write like thrillers, everyone's like, you know, and you put a ghost in, like get the fucking ghost out of it. You can't be throwing <laughs> ghosts and everything. But for me, it's like I write these romances into like every book that I write. And then I was like, get the romance out. I'm like, but I, I write the romance. Come on. More of it. Yeah, I'm just going to write the straight like ro like thriller romance. And if they tell me to get the romance out, I'm I'm going to say Sonora uh, said not to. Yeah. Also, maybe it's just my timeline, but I am noticing more and more people are saying, please put romance and sex back in our media. Because right now, the only time it ever shows up, it's either sexual violence or it's like that boring indie moving sex where everyone looks like they'd rather be somewhere else. So, like, <laughs> like people want the return of, like, the erotic thriller, and I'm here for it. <laughs> I also like, I like the... Um... I don't know what to call it. I sort of call it like old married people romance. Like yeah. I love, <laughs> the I love the romance. Yes. I like the romance of like after the meet, after yeah. the falling in love, because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, to me, romance uh, is interesting in the sense of what happens after you've been married for a while or, you know, things happen in your life that you change around and like, you know, falling in love again or, or, you know, how you, just how you grow and, and live with that kind of stuff. I like, I like that kind of I like that movie. It's complicated with um, Meryl Streep and Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin. Did y'all ever see that? No, was that good? So. Oh yeah. I, 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 I want to say it was, was it a Nora Ephron movie? But, or no, Nancy Myers. It was Nancy Myers. Um, and it, it, Meryl Streep is a woman who was recently divorced from Alec Baldwin. She starts dating Steve Martin, but also in the process, like, Alec Baldwin has gotten remarried, but he starts cheating on the new wife with Meryl Streep. And so, you know, 
that, like, you know, she feels bad being be, like with the cheating, but at the same time, it's like, but now I'm the other woman instead of this, <laughs> this bitch, you know, like it, it, it's, it's a cute little movie. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Everyone's checking her streaming device to see when it's playing now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think relationships are really of any kind are kind of downplayed in horror and it is just, um, you know, kind of, we're having sex. We're kind of friends, but we're also kind of bitchy to each other. Um, so like you, Laurel, you're trying to bring romance back into yours. A lot of my horror deals with, um, you know, more friendships. I'm interested in platonic friend, like bringing strong platonic friendships, like in, um, mm -hmm. in the festering ones, I have faith in Sasha. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and their friendship. And when I had someone who approached me about the possibility of adapting the festering ones, didn't happen, very disappointed. <laughs> um, but he asked me, um, is there any chance that, that Sasha and Faith are um, lesbians? And, you know, there's nothing, obviously nothing wrong with that, but that's not how I wrote them. I wrote them just as as friends, because I think, in horror, there needs to be more of, um, just like there needs to be more romance, like actual romance, not just um, we're going to have sex now. Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be more friendship. When there needs to be a focus on on platonic friendship, on people growing together without um, necessarily the, the aspect of falling in love or being forced to fall in love. So I, I do like that horror, um, I think we're seeing more of a resurgence in people exploring the different dynamics of relationships outside of romance, outside of just having sex mm -hmm. yeah sorry i got serious again <laughs> all good good try up jake what's that <laughs> sorry i'm just it's also one of the things i study is how people end conversations or how they roll in you were just like <laughs> well good <laughs> no because it's got quiet everybody's like wow Sorry, I got deep. I'm like, okay. I think it's Marcus's 1041. Yeah. We, we can yeah, I'm usually up. in bed by like 9.30, so I'm past my bedtime here. It's all Brad's fault. I tried to make it like an hour. He's like, no, we're going to make it till tomorrow. So that's not, that's not true at all. Yeah, we, we can wrap it up. It's been, it's been fun. We appreciate you guys all of you coming by and, and, and joining us for this little shindig that, uh, we try to be professional, but some of us can't do it. Sorry. I feel attacked. <laughs> so why, don't, uh, why don't you let everybody know where, they, where people can find you and your books and everything. We'll start with Sonora. We'll just go around. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so you can find me at sonorataylor.com. Um, you can find my books on Amazon, and you can also find them through most online retailers. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sonora Writes. Um, and I'm usually regularly posting links to my books in addition to the occasional tweets of, or, you know, movies I've gone to see. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Sonora Taylor, but the, I, I am terrible at being an author on Instagram. <laughs> but if you want to see my food photos, uh, I post them. I post them on the regular. Um, but yeah, it, it, the main source where you can find information about my books and my short stories is sonorataylor.com. Red, what about you? Um, I'm Red Lego. My name's spelled right there. 
Um, it just at Red Lego on Twitter is where I'm, I'm most active with my author stuff. Um, I'm also at Red Lego on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I was going to say you're on TikTok. Oh, the TikTok. I don't do much with it. Um, is that you I'm are, you, are you lip syncing on there? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, and then redlego.com. Um, and I am really just always on Twitter to a detrimental <laughs> neurotic degree. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm there at Hightower Laurel. Um, and uh, I am also sometimes on Instagram, but not a whole lot. I'm really bad at it. Um, and I have a, a website that hasn't been updated because it's still telling you to pre-order Crossroads. But um, <laughs> the, the email link works. So, you know, if you need to reach out to me for something uh, like that and all my stuff is generally available through the publishers and through Amazon. What? I know. I see. Right. I, I see your. I see your like regular tweets, and I'm like, I know Sonora. But I do. I do clean my coffee pot when you tell me to. So I. Appreciate That's good. That. Yes. I another reason to follow me on Twitter is I'll remind you to clean your coffee pot once a month. It's true. <laughs> it's very. It is helpful. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite and no offense if, if this is anyone watching are the people who get like granted it's like mock indignant with me but it's like what do you mean i i i don't need this humiliation in my life <laughs> I'm like i'm not here to judge you i'm just trying to remind people to please <laughs> laurel your uh your website says coming christmas of 2012. 2012. come on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm in the same boat laurel. i don't update my site like ever it's there but not much happens yeah well, I mean, I like it's, been of, it's been a few months i feel like a lot of others we've talked to they haven't had their websites updated do y'all feel like having a website is actually beneficial at all anymore or do you just think it's more just having social media is okay um, no, the website's been good for for people to get in touch. Mm -hmm. um, Agreed. Like I have people, people who have who message me for reviews. Yeah. I have had um, an agent message me through um, my site. So I do think, which is author com, by the way. Um, <laughs> I do think it's it's worthwhile to have. Yeah, yeah it's a good like one stop spot. Um, like a website. I don't think you need to update it all the time unless you have new content as much now because of social media. Like mm -hmm. I used to have a much more active blog on that site and I just don't blog anymore because most of my thoughts are on social, but, mm -hmm. um, but um, it is good. as like a one-stop place for like, you know, have an about section and you link to all your books or where your short stories appeared. I mean, heck, I use it as a resource for myself sometimes because I'm like, wait, where, what did I do this year? Like, you know, like to, to put things together. So <laughs> where else can they find you, Sarah, besides your website? Oh, um, mostly I'm just on Twitter too much, like Laurel. <laughs> I'm at Miss Pippinacious. Um, and yeah, I tweet a lot of things that are just nonsense. I'm not sure why people follow me. <laughs> random thoughts. It really is. Deep thoughts by S.H. Cooper. Yeah, it's random thoughts. Like my most, one of my most recent tweets is just complaining that my husband lies down and goes to sleep immediately and the audacity. <laughs> that I was actually, that I was going to send you, that was a reductress headline. It's like, how to sleep the unencumbered sleep, how do you sleep the sleep of the unoppressed? <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> 
Not Can fair. I just tell you how much I love that? Like being in this, it's like we can be like, oh yeah, did you see that tweet? Absolutely. And like most of our conversations, like, and know. I saw this other tweet, and then this tweet. It's like at home, my husband's like, will you just can you communicate with humans? <laughs> no. no? <laughs> My, my husband, like, like if we talk about tweets, we have different timelines we're following. So he'll be like, did you hear about this big scandal with X, Y, and Z? I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> my husband even, isn't even on Twitter. He exists only on Instagram and it's in like the car section because he drifts. So he's off in, in mechanic land and I'm over here in Writersville on Twitter. So I'm like, oh my God, this thing on Twitter's happened. He's like, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go hit things in the garage. <laughs> My wife watches a lot of TikTok. She doesn't do TikToks. She watches a lot of them. So it's like so many conversations start off with, did you see that video on TikTok? And I'm like, no, I was at work all day. I didn't see it. You know, it's like a long list of stuff. Yeah. Evil. Tell her to talk to us. We'll, we'll, we communicate solely via social media. So we'll, right. that's what we speak. Yep. I don't speak TikTok though. I only speak yeah. TikTok. I don't I do hire it. someone to speak. It'll steal TikTok. all your time away. It's yeah. such an addicting okay. app. The only I feel like I'm too old for it because the only language that I know, and we kind of talked about this the other day, Laurel. Um, the only language that I know from past millennialville is yeet. And I love the <laughs> I word yeet. I don't know that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like to throw, you yeet. Ye yeah, you I'm going something. to yeet you into the garbage. I'm gonna yeah. eat you into the sun. Yeah, yeah. that's my favorite. Yeet into that's the my sun. favorite sun. Yeah, Yolo, yeah, I love Yolo's that. that a thing anymore. A certain degree where I, I don't want to be well versed in Gen Z. Like not out of disrespect, <laughs> but like I don't want to feel like you know how do you do, fellow kids. That is why yeet is the only word from that lexicon that I have adopted and that I will use with my full chest. I will yeet whatever I want. <laughs> That's it. I know that's my limit. I can't get away with anything else. Yeah. I've got a couple of Fortnite ones because I play with my kid. <laughs> oh, what are what are some Fortnite? Educate us. Know. Oh God. What is a Fortnite? <laughs> what is a Fortnite? <laughs> How do you do, fellow kid? <laughs> Fortnite's Fortnite's thirteen days, right? Well, uh, okay, so this is probably not just Fortnite, and I'm going to sound really old. It's a fantasy series. Or my something? kid is like. Oh, that's really OP. I'm like, it's OP? It's overpowered. overpowered. Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, I was going to say original poster. Uh, yeah, so, I was going to say that. That's another verse. Nope. And um, <laughs> I, I made him proud the other day because I was like chopping down a tree in Fortnite. And I was like, I got to get some mats first. And he's like, Mom, you said mats instead of materials. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, to me, this isn't like, this isn't uh gen z speak this isn't zoomer speak that's just gamer yeah. speak yeah <laughs> I, I play games a lot so this is just like that's stuff all that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm of the generation that i still don't know who's down with opp <laughs> what that means oh, what what is OPP? i don't know i always heard of other people's pants you don't oh, know that that people's penis <laughs> oh okay now see i was like just young enough that i feel like people didn't want to tell me the legit meaning this makes a lot <laughs> yeah. of sense now sonora thank you and i know i'm older than you so i appreciate you educating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, feel like, 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 yeah, I mean 
and the only reason I think it's not pants is because there is like the second verse talks about the other thing that the third that the second P can mean, and it's like and it says when oh. it means like other people's pussy or other people's penis, you know, like <laughs> see this is why I, I think like- the club could definitely handle me right now. Because I would just be there going <laughs> Okay. It's past my bedtime. I will gladly be corrected if I'm incorrect, naughty by nature fans about <laughs> about the meaning. That's what I thought it was. I, I feel like there's like a You're childhood mystery that when I was a kid. <laughs> That's what you were taught, right? Okay. Yes. I wish I'd asked these sort of things earlier. It's been bothering me for like 30 years. So. <laughs> so and now you know. And now this I is know. why these panels are so important. They are. Forget everything else. Now I know what OPP means. Wait, wait, wait. You set it out on Twitter. Somebody, somebody would give you like the whole history about it. What does it mean to get down with OPP? <laughs> if you Isn't didn't learn other, anything else didn't from this you just panel, say it's other, other, other people's now we know. penis? Other people's penis. Penis? I thought it was pussy. Or pussy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's whatever your genitalia of choice. Get down with your genitalia of choice. (laughs) Doesn't have quite the same range. (laughs) Two hours and 15 minutes, and we're going to end the show with Naughty by Nature. How's that? (laughs) Feel good about it. Educational. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, like, uh, yeah, I'm looking it up, and I think that is what it means. (laughs) OPP walked so WAP could run. Oh my God. One of my favorites when that song came out, it was a couple of tweets, but I forget the authors and I apologize, but they were saying, so what are we going to tell our like grandparents what means? And someone said worship and prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Be nice to grandma. (laughs) Of course, my favorite was when someone pointed out that WAP was onomatopoeia. Ew. Oh. <laughs> we're in we're like that. part of this. <laughs> My horizons are just <laughs> just think, Laura, when when we're grandparents, what our kids are gonna look back and, and see about us. Yeah. <laughs> all this crazy stuff they talk about. I know it's all it's, it's all gonna it's, be on screen. It's either gonna be way worse or it's they're gonna think we were just insane. <laughs> you, you need to put your uh shocked eyebrows on now. <laughs> <laughs> What? No, put like three of them. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I appreciate I mean, you being part of the eyebrow experiment. There you go. <laughs> just you need to have stickers and just take them on and off, and you know adjust your emotions throughout the day. Like both mustaches, Laurel's eyebrows. There you go. <laughs> just six eyebrows out of ten. <laughs> you get mad at somebody at the store, but wait, hold on a second. Well, <laughs> It's like Mr. Potato Head. Exactly. Yeah, there you go. I gotta put on my angry eyes. Remember, like, the brief controversy last year when they announced that it was going to be just Potato Head instead of, like, Mr. or Mrs. How dare you gender my potato? (laughs) I I will have you know I check every vegetable that I buy for a penis or a vagina. Aren't, like, all fruit? They like be, you know, like female. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I never gave it that much I've never gone up and checked under the potato skirts. 
I just, I think just be down with the OPP with your vegetables. There you go. Yeah. Other people's potatoes. <laughs> there you go. That's what we'll tell people. <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> I don't it's know. All, it's all Laurel's fault. I know. I say we just start genre over. of that. It's a subgenre of Laurel's fault. So it's obvious. <laughs> that's going to be the yeah, next. That'll anthology. be that'll be our next anthology. <laughs> next anthology is <laughs> Laurel's <laughs> fault. <laughs> there are actually already three books in the Laurel's fault yeah. genre. <laughs> Coming, coming soon from Laura Hightower, Potato Horror. There we go. <laughs> just have no, my next is How did we get oh, here? The Adventures of Laurel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's like a 17 book series. <laughs> and each person will write a different story about how Laurel got us to where we are. <laughs> I'll put another oh. anthology out in the universe. How did we get here? A talking heads anthology. <laughs> <laughs> we start off so normal and professional. Yes, we are women writers. We're here to talk about our craft. And then OPP. we just this is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Need to have an anthology OPP, but don't tell anybody what it stands for. <laughs> you gotta it's context clues. You gotta figure yeah, it gotta out. Figure it out along Other the way. Every story will be a different answer. Yeah. There you go. What's OPP, What's OPP mean to you? <laughs> and then it's probably WAP. What does WAP yeah. mean to you? <laughs> Red, that could be your first anthology. What does OPP mean to you? I'm, I'm down for it. Let's do it. <laughs> there you go. You can write that with your daughter. Uh, <laughs> give her a couple of years. Okay. <laughs> I think we're done. Are we done? <laughs> before, we, I think before, before we pull out like another 90s rap song or something? Yeah. <laughs> well, I know well, there's one question about. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For our lovely guests this evening, thank you so much. We have Red Lagos, Nora Taylor, Laurel Hightower, and S.H. Cooper. Thank you guys so much for coming by. Thank you. Totally appreciate it. Thank you. Hopefully, we didn't scare you away too much. And if we didn't scare you away anytime, too much. Anytime, anytime. Okay, good. Good. That's the guy you want to talk to over there because I'm so unprofessional with it. So, again, thanks everyone for joining us in the chat. It's been another exciting episode of Paper Episode 21. Is that so real? We haven't broken up yet. Not yet. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe this tonight may, after this. This may be episode the year. 21. Yeah. You can drink. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> drink. Everyone in the chat, thanks so much. Thanks for the support. Our panel couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. That's it. Till next time. See ya. Thank you. Good night. Bye.